1: Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. <laughs> oh, yeah, you found us. The best damn combat sports show. Period. This is Morning Combat. Welcome on in. It is Friday time for the art may 20th 2022 on bc that uh american alpha right the beige guy guy that just keeps going just just goes right and that's my my teammate though right there you're looking at him that's my quarterback okay he's the best damn fight analyst in the game today who's never actually fought not a lover or a fighter actually he's just existing it's luke Todd. just a hater just, just a hater a-
0: bc i gotta say i don't know if it's the screen i'm looking at or if something is happening internally you look very it's a mix between red and tan like i can definitely tell you've been outside but i also can't tell if you're dying what, what's going on
1: yeah this little rock lobster it, it's actually very manly luke i've resumed the uh you know, pr- peak prime pandemic, how I dealt with my angst was not necessarily uh, through emo records. Although that's, you know, hey, your dashboard, my confessional, whatever you got, Luke. But uh, I-, I went back to splitting wood. Okay. You know what I'm saying, Luke? All right. So you got,
0: did you wear gloves? I did. Wood? I wore
1: gloves, glasses. I had the headphones in listening to the first Rage album, Luke. So I was killing that wood in the name of, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, so Luke, in fact... Fuck you! I won't do what you tell me. All right. I mean, you know, fuck you, right? I won't do what you tell me. Yes,
0: some some of those who are from Connecticut are also those who uh, wear hoods, or that's not. There it is. Uh,
1: Whoa, whoa, wait! Let me not agree to that. Uh, We got a great show for you today, setting the stage for your fight weekend UFC fight night. Holly Holm is back. Showtime Championship Boxing. We're talking about David Benavidez. We got some big news to react to. We'll play a little dead wrong and fan subs. So you get a little bit oh, of the good, shit. the bad, maybe a bit of the ugly. Uh, Luke, this is an award-winning show, and uh, we have to thank our great fans to do that. for that. 109,000 strong on YouTube. Couldn't be wrong. But uh, either way, if you're new here, you can like us. You can follow us on social. But please, subscribe on YouTube. If you're listening to us on audio only, uh, drop a little review, a little five-star, five, five star, if you will. Uh, it, all that shit goes a long way, and I think you know that at the end of the day. Um, Luke, do you have anything to say about uh, our fantastic Morning Combat merch the, Of that I'm wearing? None at the moment, but I have so much. I got so much, all right?
0: Um, do I have anything to say about it? Yes, you can get it at morningcombat.store, and it's yeah. nice, and you should buy it.
1: And if you live abroad... <laughs> well, 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 congratulations well, on we that. Go. First
0: of all, here, da- uh, da- Dad, here we go getting the Volkswagen. Dad's telling jokes
1: uh, at morningcombat.store <laughs> for the first time. We have flat rate international shipping, Luke. Okay, right? You know what I'm saying? fat as a board, yep. flat as a board, and easy to screw. Is that what they used to say, Luke? About about uh. All right. I guess. Dude, from- I don't know who
0: you talked to up until the age of sixteen, but they did not make <laughs> you smarter. I can I can tell you that. Yeah,
1: yeah, that that would be uh thank you to my hometown for that one. Uh Luke, how are you doing? You know, I never do a wellness check on you. I always just assume that you're angry. How how's life, bro? Uh
0: a bit of a rough week with the illness, but I feel significantly better uh today than I have in a long time. Uh my daughter is sleeping great, so I've slept better of late. Um I'm okay, dude. I'm okay. I could be better, but I'm okay. How about you?
1: You know, Luke, you I live AG my oil. life uh, a quarter mile at a time, uh, you know, uh, both fast and furious in my part. So uh, I'm getting by, Luke. I'm trying my best, okay? That's all we can do, Luke. Some days, that's all you can do is show up, okay? Just want you to are do you,
0: Are that. you, are you, are you, what is this? Is this the flu game? Like, are you, are you saying you're not feeling great? you know, this isn't like the. Friday's no, going to be a terrible show. What are you saying? Like
1: Goodwill hunting. I'm just saying it's not your fault, Luke. Okay. That's all I'm saying.
0: Hey, what was your favorite part of our Glover to share interview? The part where he tells us he plans on fighting a lot more, or the part where he did a podcast right after and told him he was retiring this year?
1: All right. Well, that got some headlines. But speaking of youtube.com/slash morning combat is your home for this show and all of our like bonus Glover. shit, including the launch this week on Wednesday. Of our new interview series, yes, it's the 2.0 variety, Room Service Diaries, Episode One. Your light heavyweight champion of the world, UFC, and Connecticut's own Glover Teixeira. Encourage you if you haven't to check that out. Even if you're not an interview guy, seriously, it's going to be one of those where you go, "Oh damn, I don't, I didn't, I didn't really know Glover on that level." Well, now you do. Uh, Luke, there was a little bit of a new of a of a new Coke reaction from our P ones in terms of like. You changed mm-hmm. the flavor of our of our uh, crack, and uh, you know, do you have anything to say to those those hardcores, Luke?
0: I mean, I don't think that they're necessarily wrong. We did change it up this week a little bit. We're still trying to figure out what the right things are. Um, listen, you got to innovate in this space. So what we yeah. don't want to do is take away the, the stuff that everybody likes. We got to keep that. But what we are trying to figure out a way to do, and there's still a lot more experimentation involved, is. Let's give you also something new, right? That you can get you can get Coca-Cola and then also like Crystal Pepsi. We'll give you both of those at the same time.
1: Dude, I that was real into uh seven up gold in the late eighties. Did you like that, Luke?
0: <laughs> Sorry, you said you were into drinking urine in the seven the-
1: <laughs> It was like a cola flavored seven up. It was it was interesting, you know. It was it was uh alright. You know
0: what? I'll say this. I didn't actually mind crystal Pepsi. Because it was like a little lemon limey. Like I didn't I wasn't drinking it to be like, oh, this is Pepsi with the color yeah. taken out of it or whatever. I, it wasn't that. It was like, oh, is this an alternative to like Sprite or something? Uh but then SNL came out with the crystal gravy thing. Yes, <laughs> it was over was after great. that.
1: Did you try the new um Pepsi on Nitro, Luke?
0: I've had the Coca Cola one that's like half coffee, like literally half coffee, half soda no, this is not that it is it is feces
1: this is brewed in the you know the new hipster way of taking like a like a, a english stout and putting it out brewing it on nitro so it's like extra creamy oh it's so it's that. smooth
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. have oh, have i tried the coca-cola version of that no i have not is it good
1: it, i had the pepsi one it's fantastic but i'm not really into oh, that shit. so that's just me talking to my ass you know what i am into luke is our our partners in our sponsors. pente porn In this game okay i i you know i'm not only a mason jar drinking ag1 customer i'm also a client luke uh athletic greens by the way will give you right now a free one-year supply of immune supporting vitamin d and the five free travel packs with your first purchase please head on over to athleticgreens.com morning combat luke that's just one of our fantastic partners do you have anything nice to say about ag1
0: uh, they're great you should ha you should get their products and uh, you should do it at athleticgreens.com slash morning combat it is yeah, truly can, you, we, we, we make a little bit of jokes about it but like truly we both use it we both yeah. like it we literally both recommend it, 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 it there's nothing there's nothing else we could say beyond the fact that we make it a part of our lives
1: and and since then yeah Mikey I know that and since then um by the way you know my skin's gotten tanner I've been happier and skinnier but you know i don't know if that's ag1's fault but uh uh luke speaking of our sponsors uh i want to tell you a little bit about vpn because luke i don't know if you know this but vpn is great for security and privacy by hiding your ip address and encrypting your traffic so uh it secures your data from cyber attacks but the problem is often the protect protection can be limited with these with these mofos luke but not not our partner nordvpn not not them
0: no no, not them. Uh, NordVPN, I, here's another one. I was a customer before they even sponsored the show, so you can believe me when I say that they are my go-to for VPNs. Of course, they have a brand-new feature to the desktop apps, uh, providing threat protection and taking your digital security to the next level.
1: Yeah, and all you have to really do is get the NordVPN app. Uh, it protects you from malicious websites. You enable it on the app, and then you're stopped from malware, trackers, intrusive ads, and even if you are not connected to a VPN server, Luke, it still gets your back.
0: Just go and make sure you have the most up-to-date app on your device. Go to the shield icon and then switch on the threat protection button.
1: Yeah, and here's the deal. We, here's what we want you to get this exclusive deal as a Morning Combat listener. NordVPN is going to uh, uh, hook you up here. If you go to nordvpn.com slash combat with a K or use our code, same thing, combat, uh, you're going to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus free threat protection, and one additional month for free. I mean, look, there's a lot of free in there. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee.
0: Along with amazing cybersecurity benefits and getting the ability to access streaming services in other countries with no extra cost, NordVPN now comes with a free anti-malware feature which uh, which protects your devices from malware, malicious ads, and phishing sites. So you heard it there, of course, folks. NordVPN.com slash combat.
1: Yeah, because, you know, if they're not going to protect you, who will, Luke, right?
0: Other VPNs that aren't as good.
1: Yeah, there it is. All right, that's our uh, warm-up. That's our that's our appetizer. Now it's time for the damn main course. How about this for your first topic of the week? Dustin Poirier has spoken. Yes, Luke, uh, the former interim UFC lightweight champion who had wanted to be fighting Nate Diaz right now, but the company didn't follow him. In that aspirations, chatted with one Ariel Hawani and seems to now be focusing on a potential pay-per-view bout this year with Colby Covington. The exact quote here is I don't hate anyone, but if there was a line right before hate, Colby's standing right there. I really dislike the guy. I've been saying I don't want him to make a dollar off of fighting me, but they offered me him last week, meaning the UFC, of course. It was either wait to the end of the year and fight a number one contender at lightweight or fight in July, and that was the name they gave me, so I was like, fuck it, end quote. Luke, here's how I want to pitch this to you, because Dustin Poirier made a very important decision in 2021, deciding twice to chase the pay-per-view money of Conor McGregor over that of the world title, and of course, Charles Oliveira won the vacant crown, and then when Dustin came back to challenge Charles, he came up empty in, in, in yet another Oliveira finish, This seems to be a somewhat similar dilemma where UFC is saying, look, you want to come back. I'm only going to guess they said, here's Islam Mahachev, or you can pay-per-view dance with Colby for some big bucks. So get over your hatred of him and go cash in, Luke. uh, Does that seem like a realistic presentation there?
0: Uh, I, I still don't understand what you were saying about Islam. How do you think he fits into the Dustin Poirier sweepstakes?
1: Because Dustin said it was either wait until the end of the year... Or, oh, I see. You get the or, fight, contender. But that of wouldn't that be like Daniel Darius or something? I, I mean, it could be anybody. I'm sort of looking at the division landscape as a whole and saying, you know, what would make the most sense for him if that's the lane he wants to be in. Luke, it seems ever since the Lost Oliveira that the lane he wants to be in is the super fight lane. So in that regard... Decision making best practices is Colby the right move for him right now?
0: I it's hard to know what the right move is for him if I don't know what he wants out of this stage in his career. If he wants to keep going down this Conor McGregor path, which of course you can't fight Conor again, not right now, but you know fight names in big fights that aren't really a function of whether or not you're in the title race, although it could have title implications depending on fan sentiment. But that's what it really speaks to is let's do fights that really address or meet or somehow satisfy fan sentiment or you know just two big stars or guys with decent names anyway um battling it out I think this is a terrible fight for Dustin Poirier I I, I have deep admiration for Dustin Poirier I admire his skills I respect what he's done in the game I respect what he's done as a uh, as a as a man I respect what he's done as a um something of a you know a a philanthropist in his home community like Dustin Poirier from what I know of him is impossible to either dislike or uh, impossible to to not respect but we do have to be clear-eyed about the realities of this matchup yes Colby does have a name okay that's fine but dude and yes Poirier is a bigger 155 than a lot of other 155ers so I don't think 170 is by any means, out of the question. But if his own coach is telling him it's probably a bad idea, and Mike Thomas Brown apparently did that, it's worth listening to. This is a very bad fight for him. It's it's not that he couldn't win, but it, the biggest feature of his game that could be overwhelmed is defensive wrestling, which I don't think his defensive wrestling is bad, but I don't think it's enough for Colby. And if Colby can just go back to that, like what would be the realistic mechanism by which you could see Dustin getting a clear KO on a guy who has not been KO'd, and up a weight class. Dustin is heavy-handed, of course. We know that as well. But it's just a terrible fight for him. It's, well, not, the, it's, not, really, it's not really winnable in, in any kind of meaningful sense.
1: It's a bad style matchup. It seems to be sold upon the idea that, okay, it's two big stars who were ex-teammates. It's like, well, we kind of just did that with the Jorge situation. Right. So we're going to go down that road again. And then if you look deeper on these quotes, Dustin doesn't even want to fight colby right. right now in fact the exact quote here is i'm kind of pissed at myself for saying i'd do it not that i'm worried about the guy or his skill set it's that i don't want the fucking guy to prosper because i said yes to a fight with him i don't want him to make a dollar off of anything i've done period but you get a glass of whiskey and you they call you a couple days before shit happens and then you fight so fuck it and quote luke the major problem with me here this is not a fight that makes sense for borier he's telling you he doesn't want it but he's telling you that, number three, because, Luke, he says the UFC is going to make him wait until the end of the year. He last fought in December against Oliveira and lost. He wants to come back sooner. He's, you know, his whatever's left of his prime is is getting shorter here. Um, why is the UFC going to make him wait unless he accepts this? Why are we here? Is this still all connected to this the is, puzzling? Dude, this
0: is, yeah, it, dude, this is so silly to me. It's like... You have Nate Diaz out there being like, please give me a fight. You have Dustin Poirier out there being like, please give me a fight. They have made that fight before. Now, it all fell through. We don't we know the story there. But they have made that fight before to the point where they had a press conference and a face-off about it. And now we can't get it because we don't know. But our best guess is that the UFC either wants to act punitively as Nate Diaz exits or you know, squeeze one last big fight out of him. Slash, you know, get not give him the fight that he. I I, was, I should say not the fight that he doesn't want, the timeline that he doesn't want, because they're having a pissing contest. Like this is what I mean about imbalance in the industry. You know, the UFC does a, I would say, mostly a very, very, very good job of making sure that they're giving fights the the the, the fans the fights that they want. Here's a clear cut case where they are not, dude. Here's a very clear cut case where they are going around what is the most obvious choice here which by the way would hardly be a small fight I mean Poirier versus Diaz that's a big fight and a competitive fight quite frankly one of the more, and dude Diaz versus Poirier is infinitely more competitive than Poirier versus Colby like this is not even a contest in that in that regard and so you know you're just playing games here to to like not give these guys the things that make the most sense because it makes more sense for them to act in whatever me- mechanism they want for the Nate this it all ties back to Diaz and Connor kind of like messing with the way this division should work and it's not really working out for the fighters in this particular case, these ones anyway, and certainly not for the fans on the short term. I guess if they can make the long-term fights, there's a broader debate about that.
1: Yeah, to paraphrase what Dustin went on to say was, Colby knows the history of us sparring. I'm not a spar-and-tell type guy, but Colby had success riding me and holding me down for rounds and I had you know success uh, doing what I do on the flip side. But again, another troubling quote here is, I don't want my family to go through this, Poirier said, but I also want to fight. Give me a fight. So, Luke, he obviously understands that when you fight Colby Covington, it's a it's a shitstorm of trash-talking BS. You know, Poirier's wife's going to get involved. His, you know, his child's going to get named. I don't think there's enough of an instant commercial demand for this. Like, look, would anybody turn down these two stars? No, of course not. But it just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. So, Luke...
0: But hold on, can we can we ask one question here about Colby? I mean, yeah. the guy in, in, in his legal defense team has claimed that he suffered as a result of the alleged incident with Jorge Masvidal. Well, the incident took place, but the alleged that Jorge is involved, that he has brain trauma from it. Now, how on earth do you claim that and then take a fight even at 155, or sorry, even with a 155 or upper weight class? At one, how do you take a fight at all? How do you take a fight at all if you have claimed that in court? So like, we're hand-wringing over this, but I got to tell you,
1: I don't... Dude, there's no way he takes this fight, right? I don't know. I mean, if you're Colby and you're looking around going, what's my payday right now? What's my payday? That may be his best option. Dustin straight up telling you that's my only option, to not have to sit idle and then fight a number one contender who I don't want. Look, it looks to me that Poirier has made the firm decision of, I'm not chasing the title anymore, I'm chasing you know the, the payday. So... I get if you're. But UFC, I'm saying if
0: you're if you're Colby and you take this, doesn't this completely blow up your case with Jorge?
1: Yeah, yeah, it should. I don't think he believes okay. that firmly in that case to begin with, though. Luke, to be fair with you, I mean, look, it's all. Okay. Like, you're right, but you're adding more wrinkles onto why this is a puzzling and weird decision, and seems to be against what UFC normally does. Sometimes I think we argue for them more often to do pay-per-view, non-title sort of fun fantasy matchmaking that they don't tend to do because they don't need to do that. They The rankings playing out tends to be entertaining enough, right, for the most part. Uh, but, Luke, is there another, if it couldn't be Nate for whatever reason, and obviously Dustin's saying he doesn't want Colby, if it's not going to be Islam or Benil or him getting back in line at 155, is there anyone else that he could, be, that he could make a one-off pay-per-view bout with that would move you. Basically this is my way of saying fuck it, if he, if this is the road he's going, why not fight Usman for the damn welterweight title right now, right? Like like what what else would it be if if, if it can't be either of these guys.
0: Okay, so and we're assuming that the Diaz choice is not in play, right? You, well, <laughs> I guess there's Nick Diaz, right? I mean, there's that. You could fight Nick Diaz, Dustin Poirier versus Nick Diaz. That's kind of a weird ass fight, but I guess you could do it. It's it's there. Um so at one fifty or one seventy, I guess you could do Gilbert Burns. That's a thing you could do because yeah, yeah. Burns also appears to have turned that corner, like that's after the Hamza fight. fight.
1: That's a tough ass yeah. fight too, oh, dude.
0: A, dude, it's a crazy dude. Gilbert Gilbert's ability to choke from the back is you know not to be trifled with. So yes, of course. But of course, if he wants to slug it out with Dustin, and he came up from one fifty five before anyway. Remember that he used to be a one fifty five or two. Now he's a one-seventy er that's a thing you could do. Sean, uh, Sean Brady would be a terrible fight for Dustin Poirier as well. I wouldn't take that. Yeah, but, don't, don't do not that. Um, yeah, but you know what I'm saying. Like, there, Yeah, there's a couple of different ways you could go. Gilbert Burns versus Dustin Poirier. Again, if Gilbert makes it a wrestling match and then, you know, choke to the back fight, that's a terrible fight for Dustin. But if he wants to, you know, shake it up a little bit and give the fans something, that's a really uh, uh, competitive fight. Or I should say, a reasonably competitive fight. So that that would be a fun choice too. We're
1: forgetting one name who, who tends to bleed over multiple categories the bmf category the legitimate title shot category and that's one michael chandler
0: chandler Chandler. now everybody would didn't
1: chandler say he didn't want it okay yeah i'm gonna get into it don't give me that dirty look see that's what i don't like you gave me that dirty look like oh yeah chandler dude chandler versus poirier is like the one fight in all of those guys fighting each other that we didn't get right like that's sort of like let's get closure on that group of you know, Gaichi, Jorge, and all those guys in and around this. Not Jorge, but you get my point. All those guys that have all fought each other, right? The only ones yeah. that really haven't, in some ways, are these two. Now, I think it was Poirier who said first he didn't want it, and then Chandler kind of clapped back and said, because you said that, I don't want to fi- I don't know, Luke. All I know is Michael Chandler seems to be only wanting to do things that please Dana White these days, in every category, it seems, if you read all of his quotes. Um, I'm a little surprised why this wouldn't be – more to the UFC's liking, a Chandler Poirier fight under all these circumstances and conditions, when they're in the same division, and to be fair, whoever would win that could get some pretty secure placement in this larger title picture, right? I mean, like you could you could you could cut lines getting a win that big. Um, I, I, it just it's it's still to me the same draw that a Covington Poirier fight would be. It really is. I know. Okay, maybe Colby can talk talking into more pay-per-view buys doing the ridiculous shit. But that just seems seems to be more pressing. And I know you said, didn't Chandler say he didn't want it? Yeah, but like Chandler's gonna do whatever Dana says, Luke.
0: Yeah, it seems that way. Well then yeah, but but okay, but that but your question initially was, I mean, I don't listen, I don't have any problem with Poirier Chandler. I would love to see it. But your question was if we're gonna go down this fuck it, we're not even worried about the title yeah. path. Now, to your point, Chandler crosses boundaries where he can be that really exciting fighter. But the reality is, if you're fighting Chandler and you beat him, you are talking about number one contender sweepstakes. You are talking about title shots at this point. He's kind of in that space where at least that question becomes relevant. So don't please don't misunderstand me. I would love to see that fight. Of all the choices, it's that or Diaz that maybe make Diaz less so. But certainly those two ones make a lot more sense at 155, or you know, I guess Diaz wants to fight at 170. I, I don't fucking know. I'm just pointing out, those are seemingly seemingly readily available and make a little bit of sense. The Colby one is like the least attractive option of all of them. I don't know how likely it is, but I really hope it doesn't come to fruition.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, look, I'd be look, I'd be just as fired up for a, a Poirier Gaethje rematch under those same sort of circumstances as the Chandler one where it's a great action fight that sells itself and you're putting the winner oh, you know, what about what about Poirier Gaethje too? What about that? That's what I
0: just said. Oh, sorry, I misunderstood. I thought you said he was going to be in a different track. I, no, I, no, I, I, I
1: Poirier-Gaethje rematch, I think, solves all of these problems and more, just like the Chandler one does. So it's yeah. all uh, it's all very interesting, Luke. But if Poirier is telling the UFC, which I'm not confirmed, but it seems that he's telling them he's more into this, you know, let's make money role, then, I mean, Colby does offer that. It's just weird to see a fighter straight up say, I want nothing to do with this. Uh, but... It's my only option right now. Why would there not be more options for a guy like Dustin Poirier? Luke, uh, look, I, I, you know, it's, just, it's head-scratching where we are with the success of this company and how little the leverage the fighters still have in every category. I mean, it's wild, and maybe that's why the success of the company, Luke, right? Maybe that's why.
0: Yeah, I, just, I really am curious to see what happens with Diaz, because if we end up in a world where, please don't misunderstand me, Diaz-Chandler would be a great fight. There's nothing wrong with that fight. But, like, if we were forced to wait because we were promised Diaz, not promised, but, you know, it's sort of widely expected Diaz-McGregor 3 is going to happen, okay, then that's fine, I suppose, that, you know, you could hardly cry for either fighter in that case. But if we end up getting there and then it doesn't happen for whatever reason and we had to just go back to what we were avoiding by not making Diaz versus Poirier, you know, it would be just a giant waste of time. So, I'm a little bit concerned about that.
1: Luke, topic two this week is uh, also an interesting behind the scenes tidbit that com- has come out. Uh, women's featherweight champion and former bantamweight queen Amanda Nunes talked with MMA Fighting's. Tell me how badly I pronounce this, Luke. Trocaco Franca podcast? Is that
0: right? Gonna... Oh, I don't know that my pronunciation would be any better, but I can definitely tell yours sucked.
1: All right. Well, Amanda Nunes spoke with said podcast about specifically her exit from. It's, uh, America- it's the,
0: it's the sh- shout out real quickly. It's, I apologize for cutting you off, PC, but very quickly, it's the Guilherme Cruz podcast in Portuguese on MMA fighting.
1: Which uh, fant- I think that's also an awesome vehicle that that's there because so many of these fighters speak so differently and they're in that detail in their native tongue. Uh, look, so Amanda got in about why she left ATT specifically to start her own gym, and here's the quotes, Luke. There's that saying, this is Amanda talking, like it or lump it. I was bothered by the whole situation, of course. There were no girls when I got to ATT. I was the first women to bring two belts and put the women's team in history. When Kayla got here and then Kunitskaya, it began creating a weird situation for me because ATT was my territory. And then Kayla started talking. I was kind of man I'm not even safe in my own territory. I was kind of cornered even because we share the same coaches. She trains with Mike Brown. I train with Mike Brown. I was already training with them, and then Kayla got there. If there's someone that carries the name of the team, that's me, who brought two belts to ATT. If I wasn't who I really am, a champion in two divisions, cool, no problem. But I was the champion already. She would have to train somewhere else to fight me. Luke, there was also another quote, that really filled the headlines of her just kind of no longer feeling safe at ATT. But the safe part is more tied into what she said there. So basically, here's how I'm taking Amanda's stance. She's the greatest female fighter of all time who brought a lot of recognition to ATT as a two-division champion. She kind of feels like, and this is me talking through her statement, that the, the gym should recognize that up to the level where they should essentially say, look, we have an opportunity to bring in these other big name fighters who you may end up one day having to fight. You know, what do you think about that? She feels like she wasn't given that, um, you know, treatment and then ultimately felt like she was getting pushed out in a weird way. So, Luke, who is right here? The once in a generation all-time greatest who kind of wants special treatment from her superstar gym or is it the superstar gym that's basically like we not only have a champion, we are a house of champions and will continue to be? Luke, is this as, as simple as ATT choosing Kayla over Amanda, or is this uh, a champion wanting the type of star treatment that this gym isn't willing to provide?
0: I mean, I, I, you know, you're asking us to parse a dispute with, you know, these are the facts as we understand them, but we don't really fully understand them. I mean, two things you need to very much keep in mind here: it is going to be the case often. That a superstar gym and one of its superstars, while they may have had a lot of time together where their interests align and they were able to do good work, there is going to come a point where they're they're not going to be aligned. It is entirely possible that a superstar could have very reasonable uh or you know generally expected uh demands or expectations about how they're they should be treated and, and what's good for them. And the gym will have different ones. We've seen it a million times. This I like. What is the benefit of the superstar gym model? It's that MMA fighters don't really make a lot, okay? So they have to pool their resources and train together in large groups and hire all these things. And at scale, you can afford a lot of expensive uh, coaches. At scale, you can afford great facilities. Everyone chips in to make this thing. It's like a little commune, basically, is sort of how it works. But at the upper end of the MMA spectrum, where you get people as good as Amanda Nunes, arguably the best female fighter ever, It may not be the case that that model serves their interests anymore. Uh, Is it possible she's being difficult or in some ways, you know, uh, the person who is being unfair in this equation? Yes, of course it's possible. But, you know, we've also seen a lot of folks leave ATT. Phil DeRue left ATT. Dean Thomas left ATT. Lots of folks leave ATT. It may not work out for them. So I have no idea. Colby Covington left ATT, right? Well, his situation, I mean a little different and of course you know there are people who've been loyal the whole time folks like jorge's never left and and dustin poirier's never left like there's a lot of folks who are you know it works totally fine for them great i i i leave those choices up to the individual fighters but what i would say is you don't see this model a lot in boxing where yes bc it's true you can get a Kronk gym where a lot of people can come through there Um, it's true you can get you know a gleason's or whatever but in general your better boxers they build camps around them. They don't join with other peers, including ones in their own division, necessarily, um, where they're you know where they're the same level of contendership. Let's say uh, to just you know pool resources to get the best class, best in, in class training. They build it all themselves. That model doesn't work for a lot of fighters, and I understand why.
1: Yeah, it, it's a tough situation. I mean, I think the the hidden thing that came out of. Uh, Amanda's or hidden within Amanda's comments was the part about Kayla talking. I believe that was the the creature of change when Kayla Harrison started to get more aggressive. Look, she's doing the same interviews, essentially being asked the same questions. I mean, look, I remember first time I interviewed Kayla, I went right to the the catnip of, oh, you've got to be sparring with the greatest of all time, Amanda. What's that like? Who's getting the edge? Of course, Luke, I asked the 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 kind of questions that, you know, the fighters don't want to answer in that regard. So Kayla being honest. Kayla no longer playing small and just coming out and cutting promos. That had to change the temperature when you go back into the gym and see that person who you may have to fight. And then not only had they talked some junk, but you know you're you is it? I I can't imagine it's easy to be vulnerable in a sparring or training situation knowing you're watched by a potential rival like that. So um, you know, not that anyone's asking for a judgment of who was right or wrong here to be laid down, but look, some fighters need. That individual treatment to to just you know it just works better for them and if that's what it's going to take for Nunez who has who has enough clout right and, and and accolades to open her own gym and even you know create her own group there Uh, but it does sound a little sour grapeish after the fact Luke but then again yeah, I mean, but because then again a lot if, of these... if Amanda can't say this who can she's the greatest of all time so if she can't complain about this who can Luke you know.
0: Uh, listen, this is this is a much more complex situation than the one I'm about to describe. It's very different in a lot of ways. But the basic point I want to make here is there is a lot of entanglement between the idea that these relationships in MMA are both business and personal together when really it's just business and then they pretend that it's personal or they think that it's personal. But re- really, this is at the end of the day, it's, it's transactional. A lot of these relationships at their core are just transactional. There's a lot of martial arts schools, Brazilian jiu-jitsu schools, where you show up and you know if you if you train there, it would be considered disloyal to go and train with a different team or to change you know to a different team. And it's like motherfucker, who are you? I pay you money to show me this shit. You're not my fucking dad, and you're certainly not my you know my religious overseer. Go fuck yourself. And and then, and there's a whole culture inside of that. Less so these days than there used to be. But when I you know back in the in 2004. Uh, It was really, really enforced. It was considered highly disreputable to go do something like that. It's fucking nonsense. So the point I want to make here is, again, I think that this model, like these elite, elite fighters, Amanda is the elite of the elite. They have graduated to a stage where they're going to need things and expect things and want things, that that model that used to work for them, they have graduated past that. And I think they have this sense of like disloyalty or this feeling that someone in this equation has been disloyal, But at the end of the day, if you really just examined it from a business perspective about what someone owed someone, what was really expected in that context, I'm guessing that that would explain more of what or who made a decision either way than any kind of personal betrayal angle that I'm not saying is imagined, but not really the functioning uh, uh, situation here.
1: Yeah, it's it's hard to make this stance when you're talking about arguably the best gym in the game, a gym that's considered a super gym where... You know, you could where people it's a destination gym for fighters at a certain level or that need a retooling or whatever. So that's harder to say. Now, like if it was the John Jones Rashad Evans split where at that time, you know, Rashad was honest in saying he felt like the gym chose John over him, whether that was true or not. Even if that was true, you kind of get it. John was looking. John was coming on and looking to be the greatest of all time. But, you know, he was coming on in a way that was like, holy shit. I'm not saying this decision was made um, that the ATT chose Kayla over Amanda Uh, from the from the limited information we have. It looks more like they just chose to be a superstar gym. But for the benefit of the doubt to Amanda, you know, maybe there's some inner political things that went down or decisions that were made or any type of presentation that made her believe that. And if it did make her believe that the gym chose someone else over her, then maybe the time is to go, Luke. So maybe it's good for This is
0: what I mean, BC. It's like, to your point, you you made it quite good. But to state it simply, if you look at the Rashad and John situation from a personal angle, did Jacksons betray him? Yeah, maybe they did. I mean, I'm not saying it's affirmative, but it's certainly in play. But if you look at the decision from a business perspective, was it wise to choose John Jones over Rashad? I mean, I hate to say it because we have great respect for Rashad, but if you're making a business decision, you would want to have both, obviously, but if it's a choice of one or the other, of course you pick John Jones. Like, that's yeah. not even it's, it's not debatable. And so, you know, we, again, re examine what lens you're using to look at these scenarios. Easy for me to say from afar, but they do explain a lot.
1: Yeah, indeed. All right, Luke, topic three. Speaking of Kayla Harrison, her home, the PFL, the Professional Fighters League, which, of course, has the TV contract with ESPN, has the seasonal playoff format that's unique has the $1 million prize. Well, Luke, we also know of their intention next calendar year to launch a pay-per-view division. Uh, they had a big day yesterday, Thursday of this week, in terms of breaking news. And I think the quote that jumped out the most from PFL founder Don Davis, who did a ton of interviews, was the quote, we're open for business for top fighters, end quote. Uh, Luke, here's the big, the big news. Uh, on a smaller level, Alex Rodriguez, the Yankees' uh Uh, Great has added his name to the celebrity list of uh, investors and board of directors reportedly uh, investing 30 million of his own to join the board. Simultaneously Waverly capital has announced a a new round of investments with the PFL, which could equal 500 million of new available cash. And Luke, that all ties into the biggest announcement of the day that when PFL launches this pay-per-view division next year, for the first time in MMA history, they are offering a 50-50 revenue split to the fighters on these pay-per-view cards. So this, in the era of fighter pay talk, and to the idea that anyone not named the UFC, whether you're Bellator, One Championship, PFL, whomever, the idea of potentially becoming a free agent destination home. Luke, how big is this news? The 50-50 pay-per-view split, to the idea next year of PFL potentially signing some giant in their prime names based solely uh, on the money that they're offering here.
0: This big. it's really big. And I hope we, let's let's spend the appropriate time really breaking this down because of all the stories we're going to talk about today, I find this one to be by far the most interesting and frankly impactful. Um, I have a lot of mixed feelings about it. There's a lot of things I think about it that are great. There's a lot of things that I have genuine trepidation about. I'm not sure which direction you want to go, but... To start off on the positive, um, the round of financing is enormous. This is clearly a play by – like, if you think about it now, PFL, Bellator, and One, all of them make claim to be, like, the next person or the next entity right behind UFC, but it's actually not so clear. You know, because Bellator has a lot of things going for it. One has a lot of things going for it, PFL. I mean, all of them make a pretty competitive play, so I would actually say – you, know, you can make your rankings, but it's hard to know exactly which one really is number two. This is this is an effort by PFL to make that argument uh, very clear for the rest of us. This is their push to say, right, there's UFC and then there's us and then there's everybody else. That's what they're well, trying to do here pretty clearly, right?
1: Before we get into the drawbacks of that, let me just add in this the specific... Uh, I'm Davis not saying quote. that's a drawback.
0: It's, it's just an ambition goal.
1: No, I'm saying before we get into the potential drawbacks, you oh, just nailed the, the key part of this. Are, does this mean that they are ready to become a legitimate contender for the UFC. Yes, it no. does mean that.
0: No, 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 that's not that. Well, okay, let me, let me back up a step. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. What I am okay. saying is, listen, the UFC is either at or arguably a monopoly. They can't be touched. You're not going to beat them at their own game unless something catastrophic happens to their business. But what is clear is my point. Bellator has a lot to offer for fans. PFL has a lot to offer for fans. One has a lot, they're all kind of different, right? But it's not clear to me, anyway, who is the leader among them. What I'm arguing is PFL wants to finish that debate. They want to make sure that they move past all of them. Yes, encroach somewhat potentially on UFC's territory. In fact, they will have to if they want to make waves in pay-per-view. But I think it's for them to put aside any notion that there's any debate about who comes after the UFC. They want to assert themselves as the clear number two. Okay,
1: so you look at this as them becoming... Uh, we are, they're showing you their ambition to become the clear number two. See, I'm looking at a little bit further than that. Let me see if your opinion changes after the specific quote that Don Davis gave. Uh, he said, we disrupted, call it the media business with the league format. We have as good a TV product, not pay-per-view as the UFC or anybody else. But until today, we've never been in the pay-per-view business. So if you're a pay-per-view fighter, Conor McGregor, or you're Usman, John Jones, Or your people who, like Kayla Harrison next year, you're so good, you're top two or three or four in your weight class, but your economics demand you fight on pay-per-view. Until today, we've never been in that business. We've only been in the media business so far. So starting next year, outside of the league format, we're going to put on two super fights. Now, two doesn't seem like a lot, Luke, but back to the quote, um... We're open for business as of today. We're going to do things differently. Just as we disrupted before, fighters will be true economic partners 50-50. Luke, that sounds to me like they have intention of making a run here. Because right now, look, I was surprised they re-signed with with ESPN, the PFL. Because it gives off the indication. ESPN is the exclusive home in what? North America for, for the UFC. So, it, you know, UFC, that gives off the indication that ESPN's major leagues and so is the UFC, so it's one-on-one one right there. But that PFL's almost the JV team or almost the, the feeder league, which, clear you know, in some ways they are, as everyone else ends up being to the UFC. But, Luke, this, to me, screams that's not our long-term identity and we believe our identity can change as early as next year. I mean, having your founder use a quote that has – john jones and conor mcgregor's name in it doesn't mean you get both of those guys or that you're in that space but that to me is a major claim like hey along with what we're doing on this unique format of the season and the one million dollar prize which could already attract a certain clientele that may be unhappy with their standing in the ufc we're also going after big fish knowing like you do luke that there's a lot of aging big fish in the UFC right now then that still command a top dollar, which is why our first topic about Poirier touched on that whole Nate Diaz one fight left on his UFC deal. Will he go to box Jake Paul? I think PFL's straight up trying to say how we're going to start competing is by going after your unhappy names who feel like they, at this point, they demand to be paid on their name value and and you won't do that. We will. I mean, is that a game changer? That could be, Luke. That, to me, is them saying we got balls big enough and the money behind us that we ain't nobody's fucking JV League. We got an ESPN deal, and we're doing big money pay-per-views now.
0: Yes, I think it's that, but I think it's also partly a necessity. Like, if they wanted to remain what they are, maybe they could for a long time, but how much can you scale this tournament model to, you know, again, to to pass the Bellators, to pass the ones, if, that, if that's what you want to do? Like they have turned this, they have turned the tournament model into something pretty clever, pretty interesting, uh, and they've they've got a good product. But if you scale this, like where does it really go? Like, how does this meaningfully improve your market position? It probably doesn't, right? You have to do something else. So they've got this ambition and this monster round of funding, to try that, to try and not just scale out what they're doing, but scale up. And I think that is, it's a it's a very difficult choice, but it's an ambitious one. And let's let, let's just say it out loud, dude. MMA needs more of this, right? I lived in a world when I first started watching MMA. I remember Rumble on the Rock, you know. I remember tournaments and and you know they weren't big shows in that in the sense that we understand them now. But like, there wasn't. Yes, there were dominant players. Pride has been a dominant player for a long time in that. Again, back in that era, uh, you know certainly UFC was a dominant player in the space. But there were a lot of middle players. It seemed that way anyway. For uh, you know, some of these were fly by night operations too. But I'm just saying there was more parity in the space. Now, listen, I'm not trying to drag the UFC down. But for the fans, for the fighters in particular, having a promoter in the space that can do pay-per-view, that can reasonably say, hey, we are a pay-per-view company. Now that they have not proven that yet, you can say you're doing pay-per-view. Can you actually meaningfully follow through and have it be successful? Separate conversation, which we'll have. But the general point, BC, is I want to be clear. We need more of this. We need we need companies yeah who can put together big bank accounts and say, hey, let's try, let's dare to be great, let's try to do something in this space that the other promoters are just, just not either doing or not capable of doing. Whether they'll be successful, I don't know, but I certainly applaud the ambition.
1: Well, first of all, I hope that smart cage can predict whether this has a chance of being <laughs> successful. I mean, I hope it can do more than than uh, order you dinner.
0: But look, I can never the, get over. I can never get over that that like th- they call their cage smart, and I honestly don't know what the fuck it does other than be a cage. But okay,
1: I mean, like I'm excited about that because like the parallel the pro the pro wrestling world, which a world I'm kind of out of now, but like is right. Like when when there's stretches where it's only WWE and everybody else is a distant second. It's not as fun. The overall product's not as good. Now you got an AEW and other things going on. It kicks it up. But look, there's a difference between where we've been the last few years, which is UFC on top, but then a strong group of, of number twos, meaning not strong enough where you felt like they could overtake number one. No, but like all have their own niche and strong TV deal and enough names and money where you're like, okay, you know, they're, they're, would I like them all to be together in some sort of, you know, utopia? Of course, but no. At least, you know, it's fun. But this is the first time I've seen somebody since force like, show intention that we're trying to make a run. Yes. Now, I don't yeah. mean a run to take over the UFC because, you know, they're not even armed for that. You can have all, you know, you you need, I mean, you need, you need depth to the right, you need a lot, okay? You need a lot. But they already have an, a, a very strong TV placement. They already have very deep funding and celebrity backing and all that for whatever that's worth As we're finding out now it could be worth pretty good. They've got the unique setup. They've already got an okay amount of names, but if they could now they're opening up a, 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 an area where they could potentially attract those same names that we're talking about cashing themselves out against Jake Paul, those same names who may say, look, I got, you know, three or four viable fights left. Do I want to do that in the UFC and, and, or, or or do I want to potentially do that in the PFL for for a much greater split, Luke? In this day and age of fighter pay, this is a genius move. This is a smart whether you know whether it's all sound and legit and they have a shot or no. This is going after the type of names, just like in pro wrestling when WCW makes a run at WWF in the nineties. You're gonna go after Hogan and these names that you know can give you legitimacy, hopefully long enough for the rest of your roster to catch up. But dude. This feels like the first time we've had this type of life in another body since Strikeforce and Scott Coker, since they had the Showtime deal, since they put fights on CBS to Monster Ratings, since they had the EA Sports video game, right? Since they had that heavyweight tournament, at least on paper and how it was announced, that was better than what the UFC had at that moment. Um, Bellator with Scott Coker have had some nice moments since then. But I don't I don't know if I feel like it's as strong of an attempt since Strike Force. And what did UFC do to Strike Force back then? They bought them out, right? To eliminate right. them. I mean, it's different to compare pride because UFC was still climbing the ladder during those head-to-head battles, but this could get interesting, Luke, if they could get the type of names that we know are difference makers, even if the names are old. These names are potential difference makers.
0: Well, uh, the let's proof be, will be in the pudding.
1: but does yeah. two fight cards per year do that? To say we're going to do two Super Fight shows, is that enough, well, Luke?
0: If, to start, I maybe more than they need. I mean, we don't know. Two, I would say, To listen, if they have all that they need, they'll just, again, scale up. If all of a sudden they have this signing bonanza, they can't believe all the names that are coming over, then yes, they will absolutely uh, have more. And so don't worry about that. Two is probably a fine place to start. But let's be very very, very clear. And I, this is, I want to, the reason why I think this conversation is so important is because I do take this news seriously. And again, I started off the conversation, hopefully, in a positive direction, which was we need this. I'm glad PFL is trying. This is something that MMA hasn't had in a while, and, I'm, and I really hope on some level it succeeds. However, we should also not dismiss the difficulties. Now, I don't know what Pride ever did, but I think this one involved them too. But certainly since the end of Pride, which has been some time. No other MMA promoter who has tried pay-per-view has ever broken 100,000 pay-per-view buys except for Bellator one time. One time they got right at or near the 100,000 mark when they tried it uh, in the, I think, the, I don't know if that was Scott Coker or Bjorn Rebney. I can't remember anymore. But Was that the um, Rampage they,
1: fight?
0: Yeah, uh, the Rampage fight, I believe. And Tito, Well, or oh, I, don't, I don't even remember anymore. But I remember that they got uh, 100,000 for that. That's usually considered to be something of a break-even point. So understand that basically, basically, since the end of Pride, no other MMA promoter has ever even broken even on a uh, an MMA pay-per-view, right? This is what I go back to when I say, well, what would you rather watch, low-level UFC fights or let's say high-level one, high-level PFL, high-level Bellator fights? What would you rather watch? If your answer is low-level UFC fights, you are not an MMA fan, not much of one, right? There is a real, and Jay Larkin, who, by the way, ha- helped found uh, Showtime Championship Boxing in the 80s and ended up being uh, you know, an executive at the IFL before he tragically passed away from, I think, brain cancer. He noted this. Like, it's it, it, people think that there are MMA fans. There are not many true MMA fans. There are a shit ton of UFC fans, and there is a real brand cohesion in terms of the yeah. fan base to the brand where... It's not just about getting some of those names, which we'll talk about in just a second. One of the most important things that PFL is going to have to overcome is to figure out, to find a way to grow the MMA fan base. Because if you think you can sell pay-per-views on the kinds of folks who love all different kinds of MMA and that you can make a lot of money from that, you are very mistaken. You have to pull in UFC fans. Otherwise, this whole thing is DOA.
1: Yeah, no, no doubt. And I'm not saying like it's easy to make a run at number one, whether it's, you know, pro wrestling or MMA. It's it's not, and I'm not even imagining a world if PFL did over exceed, you know, the expectations of what 2023 can look like. They're still not competing on a dollar for dollar, day for day. But, you know, those comments from the founder was that there's two companies now starting next year. So it shows their intention. If they could offer a home a second opportunity in the negotiation scale. Like, I don't think we're going to see a union of MMA fighters tomorrow and everybody get what they deserve, but a a legitimate second suitor that's that's potentially throwing around big money. But look, obviously it comes down to the dollars and cents. Like, you know, you don't have an offer until you have one, then it's legit. Are they offering huge fight purses or are they only offering the potential of the 50-50 split, which is great when it sells, but you got to make sure you have the right fights, the right card, the right presentation so that it will sell so the fighters can make the money that they're being promised here. Um, I mean, I don't know specifics beyond what he said with the 50-50 split, but do they do they need to be offering more than that for this to become a legitimate free agent destination for uh, the top names?
0: Well, I mean, they have to still make money on it, right? They can't, like, like 50-50 seems like it sounds fair. Um, it's what a lot of boxing promoters do, right? It's a 50-50 split with the talent, so It just seems like a place where you can still make some money, and you can make your premium talent a lot happier by virtue of the, you know, at least in theory, the elevated um, purse levels. But you know, it's a clear pitch also because PFL has for a long time prided itself on a very being a very pro fighter league. That's one thing that they've been high on. And then two, they would need to offer this much before losing money. Like, how much can we? How much can we give up? Um, yeah. as a way to like incentivize people to come over this is basically how much they can give up uh, before it becomes you know a losing proposition but we should game this out here a little bit BC because here's the reality there are a certain set of stars where being like, let's say Nate Diaz Nate Diaz being in the UFC and fighting Connor and then the UFC promoting this is going to make it you know they are a helpful entity in that way but it is also true that if Nate Diaz fought Connor without the help of the UFC, how much would they sell? They would still sell an absolute metric ton, right? The UFC in that sense is valuable, but hardly essential. However, there is another tier of fighters, and this is the majority of them who you see on pay-per-view, who, yes, they could sell a fair amount without the help of the UFC, but that's where the partnership with the UFC, and this is an argument Dana has made, and he's right, that's where the fighter brings some popularity, the UFC as a brand brings some awareness, right, and some connections, and then the two together become a more powerful force than if they were disaggregated. Now you have to ask a question. How many of those guys are you going to be able to get, number one, if you're PFL, and then what can they sell on their own in such a way where it makes sense for them to not partner with the UFC because you'd be getting a greater share of the PFL, but probably a much lower buy rate overall. Would you still make more by being with the UFC? See, here's the end of the day, BC, what the PFL has to figure out a way to do. You can offer 50-50, but what does that mean? If yeah. that doesn't mean in the end that you actually get more money than you would be at the UFC, then this effort goes nowhere that ha- they have to sell enough where not partnering with the UFC, even if it- the buy rates are lower still gets them more by virtue of the cut that they're getting.
1: Right. The fighter has to realize that like that 50, 50 only work if you're only getting the, the, the back end. then that 50, 50 only works. If everything sells perfectly, there has to be a large enough guarantee involved. Um, Luke, here's an interesting potential wrinkle. Is it more realistic and financially sound for PFL to design this 2023 world of of big money and pay-per-views and 50-50 split by forcing fighters to sign exclusive pay-per-view deals or trying to become what we've never really seen before, sort of an agnostic pay-per-view super fight home where if, Bellator wants to lend out Cyborg for one fight against Harrison, we can work out a deal. Or if one is willing to lend out, you know, this person for some type of deal or exposure, is that a a re- Is that a better way to do it? Is that even a, a way that's possible to sort of say, look, we're going to put on these super cards. Anyone's available. In fact, hey, UFC, we're in the same network, more or less, at ESPN. It's also available for you to send a fighter over here if you wanted to. Now, Luke, I'm not saying that would ever happen, but is it going to be b- better for them to be a number two where you got to be a PFL fighter to fight on PFL pay-per-view to, to get 50-50? Or could they just be the home for that?
0: I think PFL is going to have to do two things to really make this work. And I mean this quite genuinely. And this is going this is why, listen, while I am certainly um, applauding the PFL's gusto here, they're making a real effort at it, they're, they're skiing uphill. Okay, let's be very clear about that. And I mentioned already that most MMA fans are really not MMA fans. They're just exclusively UFC fans. That's one extraordinary hurdle that's going to have to be overcome. The other two pieces of this puzzle, B.C., as far as I'm concerned, are one. Let's do a test here, for example. If they sign John Jones tomorrow, B.C., right? John Jones gets cut from UFC, PFL signs him. Who does he fight in PFL at 205 pounds that you would want to see on pay-per-view? You would pay money for. Give me one name. Quickly.
1: uh Who fights out from PFL. For PFL again?
0: Right. Right. So that's the first problem. There are going to be a lot of weight classes where they could sign someone and match them up against native PFL talent, and that could work. But the reality is they're probably going to have to co promote too, which by the way is going to cut into that 50 50 because the fighter is still going to get 50. Now they're going to have to split the other 50 with a potential co promoter, which case I don't know if this is financially viable anymore. Another big problem, unless you can sell a lot. Now, that conversation changes, though, if you can co-promote. If you do sign a John Jones and you can wrangle in Bellator and now he can fight Anthony Johnson, he can fight, you know, Yoel Romero, he can fight whoever the hell he can fight over there. You've got a different conversation at that point. I'm just pointing out, folks need to be clear about this. Gary Shaw said this years ago, and, you know, Gary Shaw doesn't have the same reputation he once did, or maybe he does, depending on your perspective. But he was right. You cannot sell a pay-per-view fight with one name. Oh, I've signed, name somebody big. I've signed Dustin Poirier. Maybe you could get away with it a little bit with like a modern Nate Diaz, but only for one fight and then not really, right? You need to have a big names you can pair against each other. So I want to be clear about this. They may get a signing of somebody in this weight class and then someone in that weight class and then someone in another weight class. And all of that sounds great. But unless they've got dance partners that won't work either. So they really have to, there has to be a major, major, serious recruitment effort to get these people over, which I realize that this is the PR push is part of. I'm just saying, ongoing, they've got to make that sale. And I will say this, BC, last thing, I doubted early their ability to to attract interesting talent with their uh, tournament model. And they have exceeded my expectations in that regard. I, I, I was, I think, wrong in how far I thought that could go. They have done better. They're going to have to do something similar here at pay-per-view.
1: Yeah, and look, it, it, and even my agnostic idea, I mean, how do you get a rival promoter? How do you give him enough financial incentive to give you a fighter, right? You know what I mean? I know it's an ESPN pay-per-view. That's great, but I don't know, Luke. It, there's a lot that would have to get, what, what, but just what the if,
0: fact that what we if, have... What if, what if PFL and Bellator both got out of their own way and realized however powerful B- PFL is and however powerful Bellator is, they would be infinitely more powerful together and there was some kind of a talent swapping program and you could say oh that would never happen scott coker already did it well, with ryzen
1: yeah it well, already I, exists that was the point i was getting to that this is the same week where habib Nurmagomedov, who of course has his own promotion eagle fc put out there and said look you know uh, fedor's my guy you know he's 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 the go um i'd love for him to fight junior dos santos uh, on my prom- you know with eagle Hey, Scott Coker, let's do it. And, you know, Scott Coker tweeted back, let's talk, you know, let's have a meeting and and wrote, you know, some hashtags to the degree of he's the only guy willing to do this. Is there a world in which PFL could be the home for those type of ideas and everybody? I mean, if everybody gets their cut, but then look, why did it never work in pro wrestling when everybody who not named WWE tried to get together and put on these super clash pay-per-views in the 80s? Because nobody trusted each other or was willing to take away from their regular business enough to, to use their talent here and let somebody else benefit from it. It takes a lot of ego wrangling, it also takes money. So I don't know. You know, maybe that's not a realistic endeavor, and, and you have to be a PFL fighter to make this type of split on the pay-per-view level. Either way, for big name, especially the aging ones, the big name aging UFC fighters. And by the way, Conor McGregor is becoming a big name aging UFC fighter. The fact that you potentially now have more options that go beyond just selling your soul in a boxing match, right? Now that you have potentially have more viable options, like that's great for fans. It's great for fighters. Anything that forces the UFC, who's amazing, which is amazing, right? They're 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 amazing at what they do. Anything that forces them to be even better, it, it's a good thing in the end. So I admire PFL's ambition, even with all of those realistic questions that we have about how this is going to work and what it's going to look like.
0: Yes. I, um, and, you know, they're going to have to, you know, t- that's why you ask, like, is too, like too few, two might be too many, uh, depending on how things go. It, but they've really got to get, um, if you want to sell on pay-per-view, they got to build real rivalries. They've got to get, uh, and, and, you know, also you have to ask, like, who is someone who's still a pay-per-view name, but is kind of towards the end of the career at the heavier side of things? I'm not sure who I would go to in that way. But like, for example, if Glover lost this fight, maybe they wouldn't sign him, but if they did, you know, would you trust Glover to sell on a pay-per-view with PFL? A, if he didn't have a dance partner that you could really recognize or be just in general.
1: Yeah. Well, you Glover's know, I, the I, wrong Glover's the wrong point of comparison. Cause he doesn't sell. Okay. With so UFC, give me, right? give me one
0: who you think would be a better one. Like a realistic one.
1: Jorge Masvidal.
0: Okay. All right. Now again, Who could you put him up against that's out there, not in the UFC, that would sell, let's say, three or 400,000 buys? Right. It's like, okay, if
1: if PFL signed him tomorrow, would I love the idea of Jorge versus Anthony Pettis or Rory McDonald or whomever? Of course. But are those pay-per-view fights not on their own? No. Well,
0: I would would say Jorge versus Pettis is maybe uh, an intriguing fight you could put together. But, I mean, on its best day, on its best day, it's selling 400, and that's probably over Oh, no,
1: it's not selling for Not, not the washed versions of them. Yeah, you're right. Their best day when they're in their prime with the UFC be, behind them. But, no, their washed versions of them are not going to sell 400, but could that be a co-main event to something else, and then the larger card gets you to the 300 level, 400 level? I mean, it depends how deep the card is. Depends what you got on there. If you've got also Kayla versus Cyborg... Then you're starting to touch different categories that go beyond just two old names, right? Yes. So,
0: yes, and you do have some of that ESPN help to promote you. If you really had a fight, that the ESPN like Sports Center and the car wash yeah. thing, well, really what, wanted to get behind.
1: Here's my question, though. This is why I'm still surprised that ESPN offered now in its second contract to air the PFL. Just as surprised as I am that PFL was willing to almost play JV to UFC at what like. Where does the UFC's leverage in the Disney deal end when it comes to how hard ESPN would push a PFL pay-per-view?
0: I don't know, but it's the million-dollar question. I've seen Kayla on some of the bigger shows, I think, um, but I've not seen a whole like I've never seen any PFL executive on like get up or first take or something like that. Would that be the exclusive province of the UFC? My thought is, you know. God, for folks who didn't know, like, the, the, you know, the UFC of the aughts would never in a million years allow another person or another entity to be discussed um, on whatever network they were on. But in this case, I would imagine if they've signed the property they and it was on pay-per-view... Was I guess it would be on. E- Are their pay per views going to be on ESPN Plus? They must be, right? Like, is that, uh, that where they're going to be? I
1: would, I would assume so, Luke. Unless So some, then, if that's, that's the saying. case, then they're
0: going to, yeah, they're going to want to make money. Yeah, they would promote it in that case. In that case, they would make some room for it. I think.
1: My only question is, you know, what what type of pushback then does the, the UFC do if if PFL had a fight that with that promotion vehicle could, you know, could get a good number? I mean, look, that's all interesting. That's dicey. That's potentially dicey, Luke. But it's going to be interesting. Um, I would,
0: real quick, real quick, can we talk about the streaming aspect of this too and the cost of pay-per-view? Like number number one, I want to point out there's a real question of price point because you, you would say uh, all the fans are like, oh, make it $30 and then I'll buy. But it's not clear that they can make the money that they need to make if the price point is 30 right? So there's a real yeah. trade-off between how much do you lose in customers but gain in dollars and what's the right price point. Um, we'll see what they end up coming up with. But if they have the same price point as UFC, I don't. I just, I'm skeptical that that could work long-term. A somewhat relaxed price point, I think, might be a little bit different. The other thing I would say, BC, is it's just amazing how much TV has not changed at all, dude. There was this major revolution where cable's being left behind, and we're going to streaming, and this is going to be what it is. And now you've got Netflix bringing in ads. Disney uh, is going to have an ad-tiered platform. Pay-per-view is back and alive. zone is going back to pay-per-view. TV looks the same as it always has, just now you can get it on your phone. Almost nothing has changed. Yeah, Kind of of remarkable in that way.
1: Uh, Final points on this. I don't think UFC is worried by this at all. I think they look at this as good luck to you. You're going to find out the same problems everybody else has when they try to compete against us, blah, blah, blah. It is an uphill battle. But, Luke, I think the area where UFC would get concerned, I don't even think it is if Nate Diaz went over and headlined a PFL pay-per-view. I don't even think at that point UFC is concerned. But if PFL can sign a sugar Sean O'Malley before he fully blooms and then he becomes your pay-per-view star, that's where I think UFC would start countering back and it would be an issue, correct?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're only doing two a year, you need to make sure you're clear of everything else in that regard, right? I mean, there could be nothing else to to y- yes y- yes is the answer to your question
1: and that would come down to how much they are willing to pay separate from the pay-per-view i don't know there's a lot there's a lot to focus yeah. on as we move forward either way pretty strong uh statement by pfl we'll see what happens luke saturday night topic 4 is a ufc fight night card which has a interesting mix of of good bad and ugly but we will stay at the women's bantamweight division here for this main event a key one in top 5 title contention from las vegas the apex when 40-year-old Holly Holm, the former champion, could be one win away from her fifth title fight? It's not out of the question here. Uh, she's the number two seed. Of course, the champion, Juliana Pena, is going to rematch Amanda Nunes sometime later this year. But Holly Holm ranked number two, taking on Ketlin Vieira in what uh, itself, Luke, is a very interesting fight. And when we look at the, the betting odds at this moment, Holly Holm only a minus 260 favorite plus 210 for Vieta. Um, I want to get your thoughts on the fight, of course. But is that the right sort of narrative covering this right now that maybe we don't talk enough about the longevity of 40-year-old Holly Holm and she could be, you know, with a win here, could be on a three-fight win streak looking to fight the winner of Pena uh, Nunes too. That's not that crazy, right?
0: I mean, since her three fight loss streak with Tate, Shevchenko, and Durandamine, when she was still relatively I'm not gonna say new to MMA, but sort of new to the high level MMA, right? Where she had only had, I think, a few fights before that, um, in the UFC. So she got, you know, thrown to the deep end, it didn't go her way. The Durandemi fight was certainly, you know, controversial. Her only losses subsequent to that, right? So so her so her next turn as a fighter, an MMA fighter, her only losses since then were to Cyborg and Nunez. That's it. That's it. She's beating everybody else. And in fact, to your point, she beat Raquel Pennington and Irene Aldana. Now here she is uh, potentially against Kitlin Vieira. Yeah, dude, at 40, I would write most fighters off the list, especially at the UFC level. Like that's just, you know, no. But dude, you know, one thing about her, she has always been in incredible condition. She's always been in great shape. She's always had the gas tank to go at long distance in fights. And a lot of times she has needed to. She's been a marvel of an athlete that, yeah, we have kind of, you know, losing to Cyborg and then losing to Amanda, and especially, you know, in such authoritative ways, kind of like, oh, right, she can't, you know, this is over for her. She's now a forgotten piece of the puzzle, but no, dude, she is very competitive still with the rest of them. Now, can she beat Amanda Nunes if there were to be a rematch? I think this time at 135, and, you know, I don't know how that would go. Probably not great, although we'll see. But, yes, I, I very much think that, uh, that Holly Holm has been slept on. I think her age has a, is, a, is a contributing factor, although maybe it, perhaps it shouldn't be. And I would also say, like, dude, this is a fight. You know, you mentioned the odds, obviously, already, but, like, you know, it should be clear. This is, I would, I'm going to favor her to win this contest. She's still a player. It's pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, when she's fought the non-championship super elite, dude, she's been not only consistent in some of these fights, like the Megan Anderson one, look, she's straight-up dominant, and she looked great against... Aldana too, and it's like she, we've never counted her out. I mean, we've counted her out after the head kick loss to to Nunes in terms of being back at this level, but but she's never slipped from the top like two in either division that she's been ranked. I mean, she's she's got the wins to prove it. She's already got a weird enough resume and legacy where you know I mean, she's going into the women to the International Boxing Hall of Fame this year. I mean, like she's already got one of the craziest, most impressive resumes yet has, if you want to get super critical, has like, damn, has any fighter lived off of the success of one fight more than home from the Rousey upset seven years ago? Uh, Well, the fans still love her. Her record is so up and down since that Rousey fight, as you mentioned, but she's been competitive for the most part, even in losing, with the exception of that Nunes head kick. She was competitive against Cyborg for the five rounds. And she's never gotten worse. In fact, Luke, you can argue she's actually gotten better. Like, this is just a path of getting better. She hasn't slowed down um, physically enough where she's compromised. Her wrestling and grappling is, is much better. Her kick game right there, bet, you betcha, Luke, that kick is fantastic right there. Um, it's it's such a weird career. I mean, I remember writing certain previews and exploring narratives ahead of the Durandomy, and, I believe, the Cyborg fight where you're like, you know, if Holm becomes a, a two-division champion here, um, damn, it's like she's already got a, a, a great resume that's just unique and weird to itself. But now you add in the longevity, now you add in the potential that she's not d- potentially not done fighting for world titles. I mean, look, if she fought Juliana Pena, you're not really sure what, what's going to happen there. Like, you're not, you know? But what yeah, is well, happening? Pena got to
0: the ground, but yes.
1: What is happening, though, this fight for the first time in a long time is Holmes gonna have to prove to us not only at forty can she be the same fighter, but Luke, she's she's coming in off a long ass layoff. I mean, she hasn't fought since twenty twenty. She had mm-hmm. um, the kidney issues which pulled her out of the Pena fight. She had the knee injury which pulled her out of, uh, I believe, the Norma Dumont fight. So here's for the first time Holly having to deal. I think you know up close with with the, the age and in the miles, but yet you see those odds makers in, is still putting her you know as a as a favorite. Uh, what type of challenge, Luke, does Ketlin bring here in this matchup that we should be looking forward to for five rounds on Saturday night?
0: To one point I wanted to bring up is I didn't—I don't think the Cyborg fight was like that competitive. Cyborg was pretty clearly better to me. Uh, but what I would say is here's the weird thing she's up against. Her career peak in terms of the biggest win, the most significant eyeballs, the, the biggest prize, was clearly Ronda Rousey, right? In that sense, she peaked there. But as a fighter, she actually didn't peak there, and you can a testament to that is BC is when she fought Megan Anderson, she won that fight wrestling her. You know what I mean? Like 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 the, to your point, she's going into the boxing Hall of Fame soon and yet in an MMA fight, she was able to out wrestle someone up a weight class. I mean, that is remarkable, man. That's really really special that someone can do something like that. So, um in saying that I think that that's where she's kind of up against. Her peak as a fighter is, was not the Rousey fight, but she's kind of living in the shadow of that, despite the fact she's still doing quite well, all things considered. To answer the question about Ketlin Vieira, this is a very winnable fight for Holly Holm. Now, Kitlin Vieira is a little bit surprising as a potential threat, which is to say she does not move her head. We go back to the Aldana fight that Aldana had with Vieira, who absolutely smoked her with that, pretend to go low, and then come up high with the left hook and sat her down and then finished her off with a couple of hammer fists. You Know Ketlin Vieira just doesn't move her head and she marches forward a lot. That doesn't mean she's not a good striker in other ways, but that is a clear liability. And in that sense, super winnable fight for Holly Holm. On the other hand, BC, if Ketlin Vieira needs to, she can get ground and pound, uh, get, get, get the fight to the ground. She can have some decent ground and pound. So the real chore here, the real task what this fight hinges on is for Holly Holm to make sure that this fight stays on the feet and stays at a competitive distance where she can do her best work because. Not only do we know that Kitlin Vieira does she not move her head and a lot of other problems, she actually has a negative striking differential. BC, she takes more punches than she yeah. ever dishes out. That's a recipe for someone as good as Holly Holm to get the W.
1: Right. Holly Holm's game is to is to counter you and pick you apart like that. And then look, you know, on the flip side, you mentioned the avenue for success for Vieira. Uh look, Holm doesn't get handled on the ground. Her takedown defense is great. Uh it, it, it's a it's a long cry from who she was in the Misha Tate title loss. At UFC 196, one of the best fights, by the way, in company history. I mean that. Uh, you know, there, there, there was a gaping hole in her ground game. You're right. She's closed all that up. This is a matchup that I think favors her in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, would you say that Holly's almost her greatest skill now is almost an ability to to kind of find the hole in her in her B plus and lower level opponents and really just disarm them, right? By leaning on that. I mean, she's very tactical and smart in that regard.
0: Yes, but also it's a little bit like what Volkanovsky told me, which was the style in that case. In his case, it's very different than Holmes, but the underlying point would be that style in, in Volkanovsky's words of himself, it just covers a lot of ground. It works for a lot of different fighters. Holmes style is not the same in that sense. It doesn't cover as much ground and it's very different in in all the ways in which she applies it and what it looks like. But it does in this particular case and in many other ones cover a lot of ground, which is to say now you know depending on her ability to faint and move and keep distance, yes, of course that's the basic choice here or the 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 basic um, task. But if she's able to do it and she's she's able to do it to a lot of fighters BC, they just have a hard time dealing with it right she has a game at that distance where it's like, okay, Let's say you are able to keep distance on an opponent, but your opponent was Adesanya. Can you still win? No, because he is also really good at that distance, and he also has a lot of tricks there. But her competitors do not. When she's able to establish that distance on terms that are favorable to her, um, or at least you know, seemingly favorable, where you thought, well, maybe the opponent has an answer in this range as well. They just never do. She really is not good at just commanding range, but once she does, she has lots of offense in all different kinds of ways. So, Ketlyn Vieira, who does not move her head a lot, who just marches forward a lot, not all the time, but a lot, that 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 part of her, that part of her is just serving it up on a silver platter yeah. to Holly Holm. The question is, what is age and the layoff going to mean, and what is the ground game going to mean?
1: I thought, you know, we haven't seen any, any indications that Holly's not the same fighter. I thought the rematch win over Pennington, I didn't love a lot of what I saw from Holly. It was a little bit too safe. Yeah, in but a, the
0: first I, Pennington fight was also... Super boring.
1: Oh, oh, certainly. Well, no, there was a rising drama of would Rocky, you know, taking that punishment get to Holly. But the second one I thought was maybe okay, maybe we're seeing it. But no, what Holly did against Irene, Luke, it was it was a reminder of who she still is. So I'm looking forward to this fight. Um Holly was asked this week, Luke, because she's showing interest in a boxing return for the first time really since she's came to the UFC. So I'll sum it up for you after watching a Holly interview she is willing to fight only one person. It would be Katie Taylor at 135 pounds for all four titles, but she's not willing to try any type of thing when she's still in her UFC contract out of fairness to everybody, but mostly out of fairness to her ambition to win UFC gold still. But she says she has quote two or three fights left on her deal. She's not sure. And if that expired in and, and the fight, you know, materialized, she, she wanted to challenge Katie Taylor. So if you're wondering where did home compete in her boxing days, she won titles in three divisions, but it was 140, 147, and 154. Made a total of 18 title defenses, so, you know, decorated for a reason. But she's never fought for a world title at 135. That was a weight that she only did in MMA. So uh, that that's an event there, if Holly can ever get to that point. But I did like her distinction of, like, yeah, that's the type of challenge that would get me out of bed and make me care and want to go for it. I want to prove that I could bounce back, which no one's been able to bounce back and forth between sports. But at the same time, let's forget that conversation till we see where I'm going towards the UFC title. So let me ask you: zero to one hundred percent, the odds that Holly Holm wears a UFC title again before her career is over?
0: Low, um, but doable. Twenty-five. Um, I mean, that's even high. Probably. No, I think twenty-five solid. Okay, you,
1: you're on. saying like a one out of five chance that she. And it could come. By the well, way, that would
0: that would be that would be twenty percent, one out of five.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I did I did get some level of math at Naugatuck High School class of '96. <laughs> one out of four so, would
0: be twenty-five. percent
1: Go Greyhounds. Um, I mean, there could be different scenarios too. I mean, you know what I mean? Amanda Nunes could could you know retire, and there's a vacant title at 145. Who knows, right? She could beat Pena. Could, who knows? But also, Luke, home could be fighting until she's 45. This could be Randy Cooter all over again. You know, who knows, Luke?
0: That would be pretty amazing if possible. Also, we haven't really seen, like, b- women's MMA has obviously come a long way and is much bigger than women's boxing, but it's still not all that big. I mean, the UFC only has three divisions. That's not that's not a lot. Uh, well, four, I guess, you know, depending on your perspective. But um, uh, boxing is also, you know, doesn't have, like, a lot of different stars. And we've seen Clarissa Shields come over to MMA, and that's cool. But I guess what I'm saying is, you don't see the oh, what would happen if the the female MMA fighter fought the female boxer, and what if there's a big industry for this? There doesn't really exist that part of the game yet. I'll be curious to see if it happens in my lifetime, where we get like this big demand for a big MMA versus boxing women's crossover fight.
1: Yeah, I mean, Holly's the perfect one for it, given her background, right? right? I mean, totally. It's just, it's just insane, right there. Um, uh, Luke, as you look at this card though, this Coleman event could be a banger. In the UFC's welterweight division, we're going uh, all Brazil all the time here as Santiago Ponzinibbio will be just, just a plus-115 underdog when he takes on minus-135, the circus clown himself, Luke Michelle Padeda. Luke, we never quite know if Padeda, at age 28, is coming or Padeda. going. <laughs> the last four fights, though, Luke, despite some... Michelle Padeda type moments. He is 4-0 in his last four, right? This ain't the DQ loss to Diego Sanchez. This ain't him gassing out against Tristan Connolly. But I don't know if I trust him yet as a legitimate contender, despite, look, I love the win over Andre Fiallo. Like, that name-wise, it's great. He really it, This is the right test at the right time, though, because Ponzinibbio's still got something left, Luke, and he's been through a lot of injuries to get here. Dude, this could be mayhem. On Saturday.
0: Yeah. Ponzinibbio has reached a much higher level and he's come down from it a little bit, but he's reached a much higher level in the, not just the rankings, but like people's consciousness about who are welterweights to take seriously as potential title threats. Now, again, Ponzinibbio is coming off of that loss to Jeff Neal. And so, and he had a long layoff. And so a lot of that has been somewhat disrupted, but, and of course there was more fights before the Jeff Neal fight. I'm just saying his last fight was the Jeff Neal fight. Um, so this is Pereira's chance to really begin to like shed that label as the guy who will breakdance on you and maybe win or not. Um, this is the chance for him to be like, no, actually, yes, I've got the four wins, but now I've got a win over someone that yes. everyone told me was someone to take seriously as a potential title threat however long ago. Now I've beaten that guy. Now you have to take me seriously. That's really what this what this is potentially all about.
1: And by the way, that Fiallo fight, even though that's a very strong win, just like the Nico Price one, Padeda showed us everything great about him and everything to be worried about about him in the same fight. It was like the full treatment, the full experience. But Luke, I think since missing nearly three years, Ponzinibbio's comeback, he's still one and two in those three fights since coming back. The split decision loss to Neil, and then he got didn't he get one punched by uh by uh what's it? somebody sent him? Lang, yeah, not rolling.
0: Yeah, yeah, with the yeah the and Leech, then Leaning the back. Leech.
1: Yep. Um, I don't. I think the luster of like sleeper title contender at age thirty five has come off a little bit. I still though respect him as a hammer, a tough out, and still you, the odds reflect this with him being a, a slight underdog. He still could win this one viciously. I mean, that's in play because you know either Perera, either guy,
0: dude, either guy can win this viciously, right? Oh, don't for sleep sure, on. for
1: sure. Yeah, but dude, like, what do you need to see from Pedata? P- P- before you can, like, have no more doubt. Like, I'm the I'll harshest exa- critic I'll tell you honestly. exactly
0: what it is. Okay. I'll tell you exactly what it is, BC, as I cut you off for the millionth time today, which I'm sorry about. Um, I need to see more than him just playing. So what was he doing before? He was kind of breakdancing and doing all this bullshit, and sometimes he would win explosively, but, you know, uh, sometimes he wouldn't, right? And then he kind of dialed it back to a much safer style of fighting that was much more winnable. A little bit of moving at range, you know, jabbing, and there's more than just jabbing. But you know, a little bit of stick and then move. I would like to see more than that. You can beat the guys he's beaten. Andre if Fial- is, is a is a very very commendable win. But the other guys he's beaten, uh, it's not to say they're not good fighters, but they could be beaten with that kind of game plan. The point I'm trying to make is the guys above Ponzinibbio cannot. They cannot be beaten with that kind of game plan. You have to show that yes, sticking and moving is an important part of the game and defense is an important part of the game. I need to see offense that's coordinated that doesn't come from spazzing. Does that make sense? We see like his best offense, if you look at the highlight reel, came when he was just basically fucking around. Can he do that? Not fucking around. Can he do that in an actual strategic application of things? Because he can show us defense in that regard. Now I need to see offense come behind it. That's what I'm looking for in this particular case.
1: I I can't remember what fight it was. Was it the Chaos Williams win for Pereira in 2020? One of the wins in this four-fight turnaround, even though the turnaround has featured highs and lows, one of the wins was wrestling heavy, Luke. Uh, Forgive me for forgetting which one it was. It's not the last two. Nico Price one was, was pretty crazy. But one of those two was very wrestling heavy from him, and I started to 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 tell myself, Luke, we could be looking at a future title contender here because he's in he might be in the best shape of any fighter in the game. I mean, I mean, I know his, he got gas that time that he was fucking around and dancing to the I mean, he does a lot of weird shit. But his his gas tank, his body, his rest his chain wrestling and commitment to that, and the fact that he can f around and knock you out at any point. Like he's he's one of those guys that with the right discipline, dude, he could be something scary. I just don't think he's the right guy that can ever be disciplined, right? I mean, like, you know, wild horses, Luke, they couldn't they couldn't drag me away. You know what I mean? And, and, and I don't even know what that means, to be fair. But what I will neither, tell you this. Do I. I
0: don't even know where this question is going.
1: You can't. There's some women you can't bring home to mom. He just might be that type of fighter, Luke. And we might have to realize that, like Johnny Walker in a way, you just be as weird as you want to because that's when you're the most dangerous. Because I don't know if you can play the role of muting yourself to be more strategic and well-rounded. I don't know if you're still the same. Some people can be that, but they can't be dangerous at the same time, Luke. I fear, you know what I'm saying? I think if you mute this guy, if you castrate Michelle Podeda, Luke, you're looking at just another man.
0: Okay, yeah, that was a long, long, I don't know if there's a question there, more like just a lot of declarative statements, but uh, (laughs) I'll say... I don't have listen you are the one that is hung up on this mystery. To me it's not much of a mystery. Pereira is certainly capable of winning this fight like absolutely very 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 much in play. But I'm I like how much of a real transformation can he make? Dude, if you've already got bad habits and how old is Pereira like in his 30s or whatever?
1: Thirty-five, I think thirty. Yeah, you know,
0: you know he's a sick athlete. The dude's like a panther out there, so maybe it's a little bit different for him. You can grade him on a curve, but like, oh, yeah, twenty eight. Whoa, like, whoa,
1: you... twenty-eight, dude. I'm wrong. Twenty-eight. 28. Okay,
0: so no. so no, so no, so it's still in play. So it's still in play. But I would say that like I don't have these hangups. It's even for as young and as good an athlete as Pineda is, it's still difficult to do. Uh, undo bad habits, where which being a kind of spaz was. It gets you far enough, but there's a real ceiling that you hit, and you can't get much further. And he's trying to figure that out. He has some of the tools that make you think it's possible, but it's an uphill climb, bro. Super uphill. You're climb. like
1: BC. Yeah, you're working building a mystery, right, Luke? You know, you go all Lilith fair on you, Luke. Were you attracted to Sarah McLaughlin in 1997?
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Oh okay.
1: for sure. All right. Yeah,
0: she was. She had a little something, something.
1: Okay, I could've, it could've when been I was the dark a horned up teenager, <laughs> I always felt she dabbled in the dark arts uh, privately. Luke, I was always like a little nervous of her, you know.
0: How many times? How many times have you been to Lil- Lilith Fair?
1: Never, never, dude.
0: How many? How many times did you light a candle during an Indigo Girls set? Never,
1: no, I, no, I, never. I, I, li- it took me a while to be to uh, to. To find the same love and passion in female artists, but I've come around, Luke, in major ways. I mean, I'm the, I mean, Johnny that's, that's, that's my, big of you.
0: That's, that's real bad, big of you, my bad, baby.
1: But no, I I was not particularly into that Lilith scene, with the exception of like the hits, like the like Paula Cole and like you know, like the radio hits are great, right? But I'm not like
0: dude, Paula Cole. I was so hoping a tractor trailer would just knock her bus off the highway. Wow. I couldn't stand her.
1: Wow, she was Luke,
0: terrible. I mean, she was come terrible. on, be
1: fair. You know, she had two babies. One was six months. One was three. Luke, right? In the War of 44. Okay. There we go. Let's keep it going. In the War of 44. Uh, Also, dude, (laughs) do we not talk enough about middleweight Dusko Todorovic?
0: Are we really going to spend... I mean, I'm not trying to disrespect him, but, you know, it's 1230. We haven't done dead wrong. We haven't done... We haven't no done fan oh, subs. We just we like, just move this along. All
1: right, that's our show for the day. Look, I was going to legitimately have a a a, a Dusko Todorovic conversation, but I'm going to wrap. up. He's a good fighter. Show. It's not it's not
0: about it's not about him. It's just you know you got to make time for other things.
1: Um, are, there's no other fight that you want to talk about then on this card apparently.
0: Uh, there was one other one. Let me pull up my Aalyana, notes here very quickly. Aliana
1: has promised uh, promised she'll get a bonus in a in a surprise way, Luke, against um against Tabitha, Tabitha Ricci. Ricci.
0: Oh, the, no, God. the Chidi and Jikowani fight and Todorovic fight is actually a really good fight. I really like it. Uh, but also on this card, should be noted, BC, Chase Hooper is back. And also one of my guys who had a real... T- I've, I've been high on him, but he had a tough fight against Jalen Turner. I think it was in his last outing. Uro Medich, they call him the doctor. He's fighting Omar Morales, who's f- straight from Venezuela. Very Pretty interesting fight. Both guys are coming off of losses. Both guys, good strikers. Definitely one to pay attention to.
1: Yeah. I thought Tabitha Ricci was that actress, Luke. Apparently I got the names wrong. Who am I thinking of?
0: Christina Ricci?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, right? From
0: Adam's in... family with the big-ass forehead?
1: Yeah, yeah. What, what did you say with the what? Big-ass forehead? Oh, okay, okay, sorry. I was like, we're not that type of show, Luke, okay? That's good, yeah. She was in that, uh, what's, what was that movie, Luke, not, that won the Oscar with Kevin Spacey? You know what I'm talking about.
0: American Beauty?
1: There it is, there it is.
0: The guy who wrote that, Alan Ball, went to my high school.
1: I could see that. I could see that playing out that way. Uh, Luke, also this week, UFC (laughs) announcing that uh, the first ever event in Paris is going to happen. September 3rd is looking like it, and Marvin Vittori tweeted, All right, so I guess since I can't find an opponent any earlier, I'm fighting Whitaker in Paris. You better show the fuck up this time. Let's do it. I've been waiting for too long now. Whitaker responded with just one word, Luke. You want to know what word that is?
0: Paris. Hey,
1: Tui. But no, yeah, uh, with Paris, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> forget, forget. Paris is a decent flick. Luke had some NBA moments in it. Thank you. Um, yeah. Do you do you do you care? Do you care at this point?
0: Yeah. No. No. The fight itself is tremendous. Robert Whittaker is really. They, I mean, they're making him fight every monster in that division yeah. uh, at their very best. He's doing a lot of, you know, well, Izzy has beaten him twice, but you get the idea, like I
1: mean, know, did he really beat him twice though, Luke? That's that's an eternal debate, right?
0: It's really not. He did, you know, it's kind of case closed. Um, but in this case, I would say I love this fight. I love this fight because it feels like a championship fight because Whitaker is just that good. So
1: For you to make love that it. statement that declaratively, Luke, I would expect a receipt of amount of times watched to sort of know that you've really put in the work. I know that I,
0: I listen, I realize that the internet will take things and once it does, you can't do anything about it and you just have to learn to live with it. So I've learned to live with it. The forty nine times joke is fucking stupid. Like if you've laughed at it, it's a guaranteed lock you've eaten paint chips, you know, and or been hit by a Domino's delivery guy who was. I mean, look, it's such long. a
1: specific number, right? I mean, you do get it, right? I mean it's like I
0: take I take notes on all this stuff, dude. Like I take notes on everything. I didn't think anything of it. I take no like does, does no one else take notes? I take a lot of notes. I take notes. It's good for you. You should take notes. But
1: you know who used to take um, a ton of notes?
0: Uh, most MMA fans are probably well. I don't know most, but in the, the in the one in the case of the one I'm talking to probably failed a lot of classes, so like note taking is not a real big thing in your life. Yeah. I still have all of my notes from all of my college classes. Do you have those?
1: Okay, that's the that's the nerdiest lamest thing I've ever heard. What you Dude, have? I all- go
0: through them not not too irregularly either, a few times a year.
1: Luke, I not only I don't even think I had notes, I don't even think that was a part of my college curriculum before I dropped out, Luke. So I don't you know I can't like do you
0: not care about trying to learn things about the world? Like does it not at all matter to you?
1: I mean I read Wikipedia all the time, Luke. All the time. I go on (laughs) long rabbit It's not learning. Long rabbit holes. It's not learning, bro. Wow, you you and I are like every time I think we're the same person, just different skin, Luke. Um, we're not even at all alike. Like, like there's very little connective tissue holding us together. And, Luke, that's I'll... That
0: ti- uh, that's that I'll, tip to tip.
1: I'll trim that, the remaining connective tissue, like a grand opening with, like, the giant size, uh, you know, pl- I'll do that <laughs> at any scissors. point. Yes, all right. Uh, finally, topic five, Luke, Showtime Championship Boxing goes down Saturday night, 10 p.m. Eastern, a triple header, but in the main event from Glendale, Arizona, Phoenix native a date of... Let me try that again. Phoenix native David Benavidez, your former two-time WBC super middleweight champion, taking on the all-action David Lemieux for the vacant interim 168-pound WBC title. So, so, the idea here is that winner gets a piece of the pie in the larger title picture, which is exclusively owned by Canelo Alvarez. But Alvarez is fighting at 175. Who knows when he's coming back to the division In some ways, this gives the winner not only a potential mandatory shot at Canelo, but a potential opportunity to outright be named the champion should he ever vacate those belts. So, Luke, stakes-wise, yeah, there's something here. Action potential, yes, there's something here. But can David Lemieux, the former middleweight title holder, at 33, still compete on this level against a guy this young, this hungry, this aggressive?
0: I don't think so, but I'll say this. I, listen, I expect David Benavidez to win this, and I expect David Benavidez to win this inside the distance. Uh, I want to be very clear about that. Probably seven, eight, or nine somewhere in that in that phase of the fight. I would be. I just cannot see this going past the tenth round. Um, I will say that Lemieux has he had very good power at one sixty. I don't think it's quite the same at one sixty eight. Uh, the thing for me is. David Benavidez has been when you watch him box, you're like, wow, this guy is really quite exceptional. He is very, very, very good, right? The questions always been about him was whether it was the drugs outside of the the uh, the, uh, the ring or the weigh in issue that we, we we were actually we remember that BC that was during the pandemic we we were like uh, hosting that weigh in stream yeah. when he missed weight and lost his belt on the scales. That's been the issue. At 25 years old, where is David Benavidez? Has he really turned the corner? learning from his mistakes, or is he destined to keep repeating them? It seems to me like he has very much cleaned up the, the the affairs around himself, and I think he has turned that corner. And for those reasons, that's why I have such high confidence in his jab, in his in his, in his power too, by the way, his willingness to mix it up, his defense has gotten a lot better. We talked about this on the weigh-in stream earlier. Uh, but the point I want to make is, Lemieux has to win this only, or excuse me, Lemieux can win this, to my judgment, for whatever that's worth, if and only if, David Benavidez has not turned that corner. If something has been off in his preparation, if he doesn't take Lemieux seriously, but if if Benavidez has done the things he's supposed to at 25, I think he's going to win this one, and he's going to win it impressively.
1: Well, he's made the right comments, I thought, this week uh, about, you know, he knows the pressures of, of the homecoming and performing for the fans, but he's not taking Lemieux lightly at all, and uh, Lemieux can still punch. We all know that. He's preparing to be in a fight, and he's, they both said it would be a war Only it's Benavidez who's predicting, I'm going to get this guy out of there. Now, I agree with you. In the end, I think he will. He's a big-time betting favorite. We see wider odds in betting than MMA, but, you know, he's a minus 1,600 favorite. But for as long as this lasts, it's going to be wild. If Benavidez can control the terms from the outside, he's just so hard to beat because he's constantly coming forward. And then when he chooses to cross that line and get inside on you, not only does he land often and heavy, His defensive numbers are just improving fight by fight. So he's that rare offensive force, maybe like a Brian Castaño, who's not irresponsible defensively and still can get inside and get his work done. He's going to have a height and reach advantage over Lemieux here. So you certainly are going to like his chances. But, you know, that power is going to be the last thing to go. Lemieux needs a big win at 168 to get the type of big fights he's looking for. He's going to go out guns blazing if he has to. Um, I'm looking forward to this one. I think it'll be a very entertaining watch, but I want Benavidez using names like Caleb Plant, uh, Jermall Charlo, who just moved up to yes. 168 after this, because those are the type of fights, Luke, that he deserves and that he's probably going to get if he wins this, because he'll have that vacant interim title and uh, nobody else can pick up a title right now because Canelo has them all for for the for the near future. So um, this is going to be worth watching. But yeah, you got to like Benavidez, man. He is one of the most... Um, consistent deliverers of action, yet a guy who's also really starting to put his craft together just the same. And when you talk about that shortlist, who in the heck in this world can give Canelo Alvarez a tough fight below 175? We know Dimitri Bivol can, damn, does his name top the list. It's David Benavidez. So uh, good shit there, Luke, And this triple header to focus on. Luke, it's not the only boxing though this weekend because Saturday afternoon, uh, it's now rescheduled. That Floyd Mayweather Don Moore helipad exhibition—they're moving it to Yaz Island in Abu Dhabi, and um, I don't think it'll be a helipad anymore. But Floyd's still going to box, and Anderson Silva is going to still fight some Brazil guy. Luke, you don't—you care less on May 21st than you did a week before, right?
0: Yeah, I don't care at all. Okay. I want to be very clear about that. I don't care at all.
1: Yeah, all right. Thank you. Uh, Luke, also tonight from sunny Miami, Florida, it's Eagle FC 47 from the FlexCast Arena. I think it streams for free on the FLXCast website. Yeah, um, I've used it. I've seen it. In your main event here for the Khabib Nurmagomedov run promotion, Junior Dos Santos against Jorgen De Castro. also a Hector Lombard-Tiago Silva co-main event at Light Heavyweight to get you in the building. Luke, um... We, we've been honest, and, and Habib's done some things right promotionally. I, I, I really like the star power of Suhudo and Chael and all those other guys that show up in our part of the broadcast. Is this enough of a mix of old and new to get you to care about this card? I mean, we got a Daryl Horcher comeback on this one. Habib giving out a favor to, to, to one guy that he ran over that one time.
0: Yeah, I mean... uh I'm not here to tell people to not watch it. That's not in any way my desire. You watch what you want to watch. Don't watch what you don't want to watch. There's nothing on this card that would pull me to watch it live, right? Like when the Kevin Lee was back against Diego Sanchez, like I really wanted to see what Kevin Lee would look like. Like what what what's going to happen here? Um, You know, I expected him to win and he did, but obviously it was much closer than we thought. But you get the idea. Like that was something worth like, oh, I want to make time for this one. This one doesn't really have that. There are a couple interesting prospects on the card. Um, as you mentioned, Daryl Horcher, previous Nurmagomedov opponent that Nurmagomedov absolutely abused uh, is back. That was, by the way, the Horcher fight was one of the many Ferguson fights that was supposed to happen. And for folks who may not remember that, that was one of the times that Tony had fallen out. Um, yeah,
1: that was in you Florida. You know, Florida, JDS in or Indy
0: Castro was a fine fight, but I don't, it's not, it's not, you know, it doesn't do a whole lot for me.
1: Okay, also on this card Roosevelt Roberts, Honey Marks, uh Andrew Sanchez. Roosevelt Maki. Roberts
0: is good and had a rough run in the UFC. Honey Marks has sort of been, you know, we, I think we know what you're going to get with him. Roosevelt yeah. Roberts, I think I still have a little bit of a upside on.
1: Maki Patolo at middleweight, Luke is also going to be on this
0: card. Who right? who is a guaranteed action fighter, for sure. It's not it's, it's listen, it's not a bad card. It's not a bad card, but um, you know, is it like must is it like appointment viewing not not for me personally.
1: Do you have any care in this back and forth between habib and tony ferguson on twitter are surrounding uh hurt ferguson challenging habib to coach the ultimate fighter and habib saying he's willing to do it if dana would let him i you don't care right they're not gonna fight i mean here's the thing
0: bc like serious question like a legitimate question have you watched any of the recent ultimate fighter at all
1: i haven't watched um i watched the kimbo season okay i watched the first season i watched the kimbo season with Rashad and Brendan, uh, Schwab and Brendan Schwab. And then I watched the tough 2014 women's flyweight season, but that's it. Luke, everything else is like, Oh, did you hear Chael fought Vanderlei in a van? Oh, let me tune in and let me see if they showed it. You know, that's about it. Luke, I, you know, uh, yeah, the heavyweight season. I don't had think, Rampage I don't think I've watched the door yeah. off, all right.
0: Yeah. yeah. I don't think I've watched since season 10 either. And even then I skipped like everything after five. Um, what would it take to get me to watch the ultimate fighter literally short of being paid to do it i wouldn't do it it doesn't i mean it's like not only not interesting it's like negatively interesting to me um so like it's a it's like it actually like makes me less interested the more i see it Uh, so no there's i yeah it'd be great for them if they did it uh, you know or whatever but I, i utterly irrelevant to my life
1: all right Uh, Luke, uh, morningcombat at gmail.com is a very relevant uh, email address if you want to reach Mikey Mormal, our great producer from CBS Sports, and provide us every Wednesday. But today we'll do it on Friday with fan submissions and this segment we're throwing to right now where you challenge us to be better on the microphone by pointing out something that we said was potentially dead raw. Better have Mm -hmm. a receipt. Mm -hmm. You better have swung big with big balls. All right, Gavin slides in. He says, hey, BC, during the UFC 274 post-fight show at 53:55, you said Shane Mosley moved up to 147 to face Vernon Forrest and lost twice. Sugar Shane was already the welterweight champion after he beat Oscar for the WBC title, uh, defending it against three donks before losing to Forrest in January and July of 2002. While he did originally step up from lightweight, he was already the established champion at that weight prior to losing to Vernon. He did step up to 154 to lose a pair to Winky, which you did mention from a boxing hardcore listener of State of Combat to MK. Love your work. Cheers, Gavin. Gavin, thank you for the nice um, callback there to my old boxing pod and and for these great facts. But in no way was I dead wrong. I said after Shane Mosley moved up to lightweight, which, yes, did culminate in that fantastic dude does anybody care first de la jolla fight in 2000 (laughs) one of my three or four favorite fights of all time but no never did i assume or indicate that the oscar fights didn't take first place first the first one so in this case this is pedantic as shit so um you're wrong gavin for wasting glad we spent time on that all right tim says luke grabbed two dead wrongs in a 15 second span on episode 281 During, have you seen this shit? They have timestamps in here, but I'm not going to read them. Luke asks, let's see if I understand this. This lady is smoking the ass of a marijuana brontosaurus? First off, Luke, that fine specimen is smoking from the tail. Dinosaur anuses are located at the base of the tail between the hips. Near the end of that timestamp, Luke also says, yo, my daughter loves brontosauri. Unless Luke is referring to the 70s Czech folk band Brontosaur. <laughs> e, that is dead wrong the plural of brontosaurus is brontosaurus uh day one fan hey, of really? you two dilfs thank you for all you do wow he called us a dilf luke does that make you uncomfortable? no no one no one let me tell you something a no one's ever called
0: us that and b if they've called us that they didn't mean it i just want to be very clear about that
1: okay <laughs> i mean from i mean i've got a tan right now luke and and I mean, i'm i'm on, you know i'm 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 pretty fly for 43 right for a white guy? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, you're pretty...
0: Um, you look... You, if, if I can say, like, yes, for a pre-diabetic, yes, you look thank fly. You.
1: For a guy with a bad liver, you you look half alive. That's great. Okay, uh, both of those were pedantic shit stains on our normal dead wrong. We got one more from Greg. He says, during the post-fight reaction video for Charlo Castaño 2, BC, the boxing guru himself was dead wrong when he claimed Jerron Ennis was 29-0 and with 24 knockouts. It's dead wrong because Boots... Actually has 27 knockout wins, not 24, giving him a finish rate of 93%. Simple mistake, but a mistake nonetheless. P.S. Wow, this guy's going to save himself here. You ready for this, Luke? P.S. That Glover interview went so damn hard. I don't know what it is, but you guys have a special way of bringing out the most genuine side of every fighter you interview as a team. First with Gilbert Burns, now with Glover. Please do more stuff like this. Because it's exactly the type of thing that separates you from the other MMA podcasts. End quote.
0: Yeah, we're trying. We're trying.
1: Yeah. All right. Those were shitty as heck. Uh, luckily, you also sent in your <laughs> fan submissions.
0: Wow, great transition. You sent in
1: your fans. Oh, my God. We've got mail. No graphic. There we go. Long Island, Luke. Thank you. Yes. Alright. Uh, this one's from Austin. What's up, BC and LT? It's Austin from Nebraska. I was in Paris with my girlfriend last week, and there just so happened to be a Bellator event. You know I had to go and rep the best combat sports show.
0: Period. Wow. Wow. Look show. at these two.
1: PSBC, don't let the donks keep you from the boxing talk. And Luke, don't let the producers keep you from vaping wow luke this guy's living a good life right now right
0: yes first of all his uh female companion looks very normal and uh that's amazing because i wouldn't imagine most people who listen to the show look normal male or female so that's nice he what would you say he looks like bc like uh the like the the backup vocals to a 90s grunt or new metal band what do you think
1: i think it could be the fourth hogan brother but that's a deep 80s reference luke all right
0: (laughs) even i don't get that one
1: I mean Sandy Duncan's glass eye did not deserve that reference, Luke, but um um you know the first time on on uh, urban dictionary someone's like, "You ever look up a dirty Sandy Duncan?" and I'm like, "Well, No, what's that?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that happened, Luke. Okay. Thank you. Uh speaking of that man's girlfriend. Though, I don't wait, yeah, wait, wait, wait,
0: back up. I don't know what a Sandy Duncan is. Yeah, you
1: should you, then you don't should I, should I look that dirty, up now? Then you don't want to know what a dirty Then you don't want to know what a dirty Sandy Duncan is either, Luke. Okay. Okay. All right, you know, this is just like the two girls, one cup reveal, which is just, I mean, what a violation of proper friendship that you tried to sell me out. Down you're such room.
0: a, you're such a puss when it comes to that. I mean, that uh, the, you know, a dirty Sandy Duncan. When a,
1: you can't read it out loud. You can't do okay. it. You, you can't okay. do it. All right. That's terrible.
0: That's <laughs> yeah, terrible. That's really bad.
1: That's really bad. Uh, you, I
0: had a, I had a drill instructor threatened to do this with me
1: oh boy okay <laughs> yes was your instructor uh jk simons from whiplash the movie at all <laughs> luke i mean what the hell right you ever watch it that movie? Th- luke? it was
0: a threat to do something or i will uh rip out your eye and sf you oh boy so luke you did
1: you ever see whiplash i love that movie i watched it again yes, last night
0: fantastic movie yes, 10 out of wonderful 10 movie.
1: it's right up there with dead Poets society luke what a great yes. movie seriously uh, wow. Okay. Austin, um, you look like you're doing well. I mean, you're in Paris with, with, with that lady and you got her in MK gear and you're at a MMA event. Like, yeah, he's bro, killing it. He's killing it, bro. Like, you know, we, we may, yeah, yeah, definitely. We no I'll stop there. Uh, this one's from at boss DJ 71. What's up? What up fellas? I've been watching you guys since before MK and been repping you since episode one. I had to see this card live and was upset. I wasn't going to enjoy MK's First fight companion, so I did my best at streaming your commentary. But after a while, wilder and wilder the crowd grew louder. Don't worry, I caught the episode on the plane ride home, and it put me right to sleep. Just kidding. I can't wait for the next one to watch from the home setup. Picks coming soon. Wow, Boss DJ repping the free cane shirt, Luke.
0: Yeah, listen, watching us do absolutely idiotic shit—that is. I can't dude, believe people watched it, but they watched it, dude. They I'm liked it. I'm not gonna it.
1: lie. Like our producers came to us at the end of the show. Was like, BC, could you stop saying on the air that this show sucks? Yes. The people really they actually they it.
0: asked us. No, no, dude. They asked us during the show. They were like, dude, please shut the fuck up about saying this is bad. People are liking it. I'm like, I don't believe these fucking idiots. What do they know? And then afterwards, I felt it
1: was a train wreck coming to a crawl and still screeching. And they were like, no, the people loved it. And you know what? The people did like it, Luke. So if that's what if that if they're that easy to please, then you know p1s you know what i mean <laughs> sit on this d right okay right well this is the kind of content we do all right uh look this is from mario and rana my girlfriend and i canceled our work obligations to have some breakfast and watch you two old bastards do two hours of content 90 on combat and 30 on athletic greens thank you for the great work wow luke Mario and Rana just went tip to tip. First of all,
0: that is a, it's actually not a bad tattoo at all. The uh, old timey fighter. Yeah. Those are actually very difficult tattoos to do. Herds looks pretty good. And I got to say, dude, look at that breakfast spread. The only thing that I think sucks here is by the way, cable management, a plus.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Totally a plus. I don't like the, like they, they've clearly seared slices of like Canadian ham, AKA bologna. The, oh, I thought the you two... were going to talk
1: about the fact that they bought out every $5 Walmart DVD bin to fill up those shelves over there.
0: No, I kind of respect that, actually. As a guy who <laughs> likes to keep notes, I respect that. Um <laughs>
1: You're like, BC, do you still keep your junior high test grades? Because I've been looking at dude. mine lately.
0: Hold on. You laugh. You laugh. Hang on. I have it here. Yeah. Uh, it's here somewhere. I could actually find it. I have my... AP English vocabulary book okay. from high school. Okay,
1: Luke, that is so low T. It's ridiculous. Like you should just like. Dude, why is academic achievement? Achi-
0: wait, 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 stop. Why is academic achievement low T? Because you can't do it.
1: Okay, no, succeeding in academic achievement is not low T. Okay, and by the way, Luke, well, you're how, looking How is it
0: you imagine people succeed without trying? I mean, yes, if you're a genius, I suppose you're, you're looking can,
1: but... at a uh a underproducing potential star here, Luke. Just because I didn't give myself to the school work like i should have and, and and could have luke doesn't mean that i couldn't have taken you downtown in those categories but to keep Look at that, that as like
0: i have moved everywhere
1: but to keep that as like a token of like monument actually, this is like not from trophy. ap english this
0: was from before it this is actually like you, from sorry this is not my ap english one this is my 10th grade vocabulary okay. book
1: luke like you better have bc what does maudlin mean
0: what does maudlin mean
1: there's not there's nothing testosterone fueled about this conversation. Like you're exposing yourself. Dude,
0: I, I don't need lectures from you about what is or is not testosterone filled. I've done that stuff. I know what it actually looks like. BC, how would you define lugubrious?
1: Um, look, this is this is bad for business. This is bad for your image. <laughs> I mean, this is just, you know You think I
0: give a shit about my image? I'm 42 and pathetic. Nothing I could do could make it any worse. What You're the like, fuck? Hold do on, I care? BC.
1: My AP history books, right over here. Uh, let's I let's sold go those back. It. No,
0: I don't have those. Wow. Or gave them back or whatever. Woo. Yeah, but this is not. This is tenth grade. This was tenth grade. This was not even AP.
1: You know, um, our boy Antoine from Alaska, Luke, the six foot eight guy who ran up the Capitol stairs, he just <laughs> went into the live chat and said, "Keep Canadian Bacon's name out of your mouth, Luke." So there you go with that. All right.
0: Dude, Canadian bacon. What isn't it just bologna? Like, what the fuck is it? It's
1: like, isn't it like a different? It's ham cooked a certain way. I don't know. The Canadians are really nice, Luke. Aaron Bronster is a real nice man. I mean, he really is. You know. They are nice. What a guy. All right. Wow, Mario and Rana, thank you for that. Seriously, seriously, thank you. Um, JP, this French Canadian dude. He says he's my cousin, Luke. JP says, "Good day, gents." JP back at it with some concerns and a question. Who's making you guys pose like this? Morning combat with Luke Laverne and B.C. Shirley. I don't know who's more old and washed. You guys were posing like old dolls or me for knowing who the hell they are. Uh, time to man up, you old dirty wash bitches. Keep up the award-winning work. It's JP from Mount Unike, Nova Scotia. Luke.
0: Yeah, I mean, could I wear that knit cap more like a fucking jackass than I am in this picture? Yeah. B.C., that was we needed an adult chaperone during that photo yeah. shoot. It was not a comfortable time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I won't name the photographer, Luke, but he he was subliminally with his eyes, just being like, "Look, if you guys are willing to just just fuck right here, like I'm I'm not going to stop you." You know what I mean? Like I was in like, fact, "BC, I'll keep shooting. I'm not a pho-
0: I did ask BC during the photo shoot. I'm like, "BC, now I'm not a photographer, but do photographers need to have their pants around their ankles when they shoot? Because I've never heard of that."
1: He's like, you know, if, you know, he's legitimately like, would you get into mount position here? And I was just like, well, who's asking, right? You know what I mean? Like, what, well, you know, I mean, I mean, I could be a power bottom in the right setting, Luke, but I'm not here, not here, right? That's just <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, this one's from Peter. He says, uh, "Hello, Luke and BC. Love the show and all great content you guys dish out every week. Here's two pictures and a video from last week of me hitting a PR deadlift at the gym." The first let's pick see, is I the lift.
0: My off. Now I can't see shit. The
1: second is the calluses from the lift because I didn't wear gloves like a real man. And last is the video. And Luke, feel free to judge my form. I got a little sloppy during the lift. The weight is 190 kilograms, which is about 419 pounds. Luke, is okay, Peter so. uh, showing us some man hair or what?
0: Yeah, a lot of times. Let's see, let's see the video. Can we blow it up, please. Blow it up. I hitched it a little bit at the end. Dropped the weight, which I don't love. Um, Hold on. Let me see one more time. Uh, Do me a favor. Watch it. Roll it one more time. Look at the big toe on his left foot.
1: I mean, really? We're going to start talking about people's toes, bro?
0: No, 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 no. All of that matters, dude. BC, for once in your life, can you assume that I know something about the world?
1: I (laughs) thought you were taking shots at my anatomy, Luke. Those toes are going to tell the story of my life, okay?
0: I understand. I might do. My toes are trifling as shit too. Uh, but the point I'm trying to make is the balance is a little bit off. If the big toes coming up like that and he hitches at the top a little bit. Also, the biggest thing I would say is his grip is really wide. That's almost like a snatch grip. Now you do see super heavyweights like a Brian Shaw or whatever, like a Thor. They take a really wide grip on a conventional stance. Um, but other than that, the, everything, the the actual, like, his back is, uh, yeah, the chest position. Like, there's a lot look, of stuff that you, looks pretty good on this one.
1: Did you say snatch grip? What what do I look like, Billy Bush on a bus right now? <laughs> look, what are we doing Dude, you here, see, bro?
0: It is impossible. I want you to know this. I, it is impossible to have an adult conversation with you. Oh. Like, I, I literally oh, can't. Wow. I can't say anything. I can't say anything. I mean, I guess, oh, guess, oh, you know. oh, bitch.
1: You reading books? You reading yeah, books? I mean, you know, <laughs> the, I mean, the first... <laughs> The first rule of improv is to completely ignore the other person. I forgot about that. All right, Luke, good talk. Uh Pete Peter, obviously a left tackle in his prime, Luke, but you know, maybe he got maybe he maybe he got late a few times, right?
0: Uh, he's strong as shit. He's strong as shit. But uh gotta work on the balance a little bit there.
1: All right, let's get back to more serious things to not offend Luke. Here's Mateo. He says, You boys are killing it. I'm not offended. I just don't understand you. Keep up the good work. Just note, I, I noticed a pattern during fan subs where Luke and the LT stands for Low T will obliterate seemingly uncontroversial photos. I find it thoroughly entertaining. But if it takes Luke's daughter consistently creating a World War III zone outside Luke's door to get this entertainment, then keep it up, Tukey. Much love from Down Under. It's Mateo. Yes.
0: That is so funny. And he's right. Like, I just roast him for no... I mean, literally, BC, I don't have any good reason to do it. In fact, I have all the reasons not to do it. And yet, BC, I chose violence.
1: I just heard Tukey. I heard her. She She's like, I hear you, Mateo. Godzilla you. is back.
0: Godzilla okay. is back.
1: Uh, this is Scott sliding in. He says, I got Luke trying to impress the in-laws here.
0: Can you blow it up? I cannot read it. Well, actually, I have two YouTube channels with over 100K subscribers. One features two bumbling idiots, a shitty set, discusses MMA, and is full of technical problems. The other... <laughs> <laughs> the other is called <laughs> morning comment yeah that's that's fucking hilarious oh, that is oh my that is, god uh, luke,
1: that's funny because it's true damn it yeah but here, no, no, But
0: here's why. here's why it wouldn't be true is because i just wouldn't be talking about it i just I, I've, I've given up
1: yeah i hear you luke you're about to give up on me this is from multi m-a-l-t-e hey luke in bc it's a uh, multi from germany if that's a name pronounceable for y'all americans it's not it's not Uh, Either way, here's my attempt at giving Luke a bit of crap for his varying degrees of attention that's being paid when the greatest BBC of them all speaks his R. Much love to you, two donks.
0: Yes, but here's the difference. When the (laughs) fighter is talking inside, I'm thinking about doing all the things on the other side of the screen.
1: Yeah, yeah, you
0: are. By the way, that's actually not my phone cover, but now that I see that, I may have to make a change, BC. I may have to call it audible.
1: Ah, uh, this is from Manuel. Uh, hi, I hope Luke knows what we're doing. Hint: It's an old pick in Colombia from before Christmas. Thanks for the content. I haven't missed an episode since the beginning of the quarantine. Luke, what a Colombian-based holiday thing are they doing in MK Gear?
0: Forgot the name of this, but it's um, they they, let it, they It's it's actually called like the Festival of Candles, or like uh, like candles is in the word of it, like Candle Day or Candle Night, something like that. My wife doesn't do it anymore. She has told me about it, so I've actually never seen it, but I have heard her reference it. Dude, you have to like understand something. Like, the Colombians celebrate everything. They have they have holiday. they they have a official days off from work multiple times every single month. You can't believe how much they have it off. And like Christmas is huge, 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 huge in Colombia, Catholic country, obviously. And they have all kinds of like New Year's traditions and 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 uh, and Christmas traditions. Not every, what do they call it uh the day of little candelas. so candelitos or whatever or whatever what is the word for candles i don't even know wednesday december 7th luke
1: i'm you're gonna i'm sorry you're gonna have to tell your in-laws pearl harbor day luke that's you know
0: yeah anyway my wife doesn't celebrate this particular one but she gets mad at me because i'm always like i don't even know what the fuck half the shit is for yeah you know so
1: All all right well done uh this is tom he says thanks for sharing your favorite movie luke ran by kurosawa I just watched it on your recommendation and I can see why it made such a big impression. <laughs> a cinematic masterpiece. Luke, this is this looks, this looks a little dicey here, Luke. I don't know if I could be part of this meme here.
0: Dude, this is... I've peaked. This is it. This is my Holly Ronda Rousey moment right here. <laughs> that I could not think of a bigger honor than getting absolutely roasted by our audience and using Akira Kurosawa in my favorite film. To make the point, um, this is high art, buddy. You want to talk about art, BC? That's yeah. art.
1: I mean, he did make mad films, and when he did Luke, there was often a samurai, right?
0: Seven samurai. He made a bunch. Of, he made a bunch of samurai movies.
1: Yeah, I, I you know, I, I, yeah, all right. Uh, this Danger Mouse to close us off here, Luke. Uh, hi, BC. I'm back again with another couple of movie-based subs. I've named the first one Not So Cool Hand Luke. Let's see that first one first, please.
0: When Luke wants to move the show along where BC keeps making jokes. What we've got here is a failure to communicate.
1: And I was going to save the second one until a new episode of RSD came out. But instead, I'll use it to ask the question. When is it happening? You've been teasing us that something might be coming. So what's the score, guys? When are we drinking, watching the neighbors porn and calling everyone a biatch again? Luke, I think he's talking about pregame preview, right?
0: Well, you know what? Here's what they want from us. This is what I've kind of figured out. They i don't I don't think that they and, and I also pointed out it's like you know, Glover can't really drink. Like wait till we get a fighter in studio who can drink with us. Then it's a whole new ball game. But there's definitely an appetite for like uh, alcohol or Delta eight infused conversations and stories about our lives that people like that there is a real demand for that from the p ones. And we got one way or the other. Doesn't matter how we do it. We have to give them that a little bit, a little bit.
1: I mean, as long as we can do it without getting fired, Luke, or Patreon. I mean, what if we just went straight to OnlyFans? We wouldn't be the first MMA-associated act to take it there, Luke.
0: Didn't our producer tell us about some dude who, like, I don't want to say the company because I don't know if it's true, but, like, (laughs) he just has a podcast where he bangs his guests. Like, we just interview and then we bang them. I'm like, BC,
1: the you know, Brock this would be Cole a great or?
0: podcast for you. We could do it in a Denny's. You'd have the pick of the litter.
1: Yeah. Uh, but look, Room Service Diary is the new version, it is coming on. So um, I get that you guys are like, we love, we, we like what you're doing, but we, we also like loved that. Well, I don't know. I'm not, Luke, could it still live in some other weird vloggish form?
0: what like the old version of rsd or whatever yeah yeah i don't know dude it can it can live on it can live on we just have to uh we have to package it correctly
1: yeah i like a good package Luke, when it comes to that shit all right those are the fan subs thank you morning combat they were good they were funny this week. com. very well done folks uh thank you to our great team for this here show today Uh, Long Island, Luke Gaff Pierre on the ones and twos there. Mikey more mile. Always, always around. All right. The guy's always got our back. Um, I want to remind y'all that Showtime, the label that pays us is really the home of combat sports and, uh, movies and beyond. Right. So you can go to showtime.com, start your 30 day stream for free right now. And I mean, look, 30 days, a long time. You get a lot of good content in there. You can decide whether you're going to pound the sand or keep it going. Showtime championship boxing back Saturday night, 10 PM Eastern time. The triple header Main evented by David Benavidez and David Lemieux, 168 pounds, the vacant interim WBC title at stake. Don't miss that stuff at all, okay? Thank you very much. Check out our Room Service Diaries, Episode 1, Interview with Glover a Look, I've never heard Glover share those type of stories before, okay? You take the taste test, right? You want to see us hanging out? Look, what is our set comparable to? Some people say Wayne's World. Some people say that 70s show. Some people say it doesn't look like a motel room at all, but like what where what, what is what is either way, it's a 10 out of a 10. Our team, Ashley, led by Ashley, our team, 10 out of a 10. We love it. Thank you. I,
0: I think the closest thing would be a mix between Wayne's World and Half Baked.
1: Oh, okay. I can get down with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, we I fit like some we fit in somewhere in the middle there, Luke. Yeah, I like that. That's I like right. that a lot. All right, that's it though. Luke, you got anything else you want to talk about?
0: Have a good weekend. Don't drink and drive. Uh, It's going to be hot as balls here in the nation's capital this weekend. A bit of a heat wave. Uh, The pools are still not open, so I'm going to have to figure out something with my daughter. But um, I'm excited about.
1: Look, would you go to the hose? Would you go to that level?
0: You mean the garden hose?
1: Yeah. You'd be like, Tukey, this is the best we got. Okay.
0: No. I mean, my dad did that one time because my dad's just trifling his shit with that kind of thing. But. I would go and just get like, an if, if worst comes to worst, I'll just go to Dick's Sporting Goods and get like a big ass, like family inflatable pool or, you know, something yeah. for the backyard.
1: Yeah. know, uh, what's your name get you down the other day?
0: Oh, here we go. Okay, I'll, 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 I'll bite. What you mean who got me down? <laughs>
1: he's nuts I'll stop that <laughs> alright that's Luke Thomas he's uh, he's washed and he's directly from the 90s my name is Brian Campbell thank you for watching the award winning best damn combat sports show period it's morning combat uh, tip your waitresses like subscribe all that good business take care of yourselves be safe Okay. hard work good and hard work fine but first taste care of Ed we out